What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. Lyndon, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, man. You know, look, every episode I'm going to plug to start off February 4th. February 4th, the live event is coming. The Pitch It match, the Pitch It season begins February 4th at 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. West Coast. The pre-fight interviews have begun. The Hastic pre-fight interview is out i literally earlier today did the dan exclaims pre-fight interview that's dropping on monday and then we got we'll uh probably drop one either schmidt or jake's one later that week and then the following same but like it's here man and like a lot of words have been spoken and i am hype i'm loving it yeah hasdick pretty much uh came out the gate and it's called almost everybody out not even <laughs> not just dan exclaims he definitely called me out. <laughs> yeah, definitely called you out. <laughs> Look, I'm here, man. I as the as the champ, I'm just here. I, I love seeing the new blood, but like they better understand, like it, it ain't no joke. Like you may be good at anime, dog, but like are you good at sports? Are you good at music? Like music? you know, like like. Look. Yeah, that's the th- that's the thing about this season of pitch it that not a lot of people understand is we're not going to reuse a lot of those questions. No, well, we'll use, we reuse some of them, I promise, because like you know there really, really is only so many questions. But the questions that are coming out now, I'm just like, oof. Like, <laughs> Glad I'm not competing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question. Like some, some of the stuff that Ian's put in there, I'm like, oof. I don't know if I can answer that one. It's rough, but like it's serious, though. I'm excited and it's going to be super, super dope. But speaking on this episode, we have a great interview for you guys this week. I'm hype on that as well. We do probably want to, you know, it's we haven't had a good interview in a while. Uh, COVID kind of threw everything for a loop, even though, you know, uh, you know, it's just a little bit difficult because we had like a whole scheme that we were going through, and you know, now we're trying to readjust in 2021. We're but bringing we're back, back on some it. of the interviews. Um, you know, Andres Cabrera is someone that we really highly respect in the you know the movie space. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I'm definitely a fan of his from the Schmodown. Yep, and his work at First Cut with RB3 First and everything, Cut, yeah. everything they're doing. So yeah, we get to talk to Andres today. Geeks so of I'm, color. Yeah, Geeks of Color. He writes for the, over there. So I'm super excited to talk to him. One of our better conversations we've had. And like we've had some very damn good ones on the show. But like Super said, yeah. we're re- we're we're getting you here with this pitch it series uh live live stuff going on on Twitch. We're giving you these interviews again, cranking up. Bros who've been just cranking back up for the goal is to get Andres Cabrera and, and RB3 to come on. On and, a pitch and, and match, some, man. Yeah, match, man. Yeah. We're trying to we're gonna be we're gonna look, we're gonna the I'm just going to say this. We have some surprises this year. Maybe some people won't be in the league, but maybe they'll give us some one-off matches. That's all I'm going to say. Like, like, and, and you know, I'm cool with one-off matches. And then if they enjoy it, join the league next year. But you guys got a lot to look forward to. But Schubert, whenever you're ready, man, because we got a lot of news that I'm, I'm excited to talk about. And plus we have that interview. And then your honor this week. Yeah, I'm just every That's... every week I ask myself how can this get worse, and every week they show me how this can keep getting worse. Uh, it also shows you that this dude Adam just has no morals. <laughs> None. <laughs> we gonna get to not a single moral. We're gonna get to all of that because I have so many your your uh your honor thoughts just because it's gotten to the point to where I have to watch these episodes faster than my girlfriend can, so I've lost the person to talk to it with. So you're the only person I talk to this about because like my girlfriend's like two episodes, three episodes back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I gotta keep it going. The people the people are asking for it. <laughs> Can't wait up. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to right after our interview uh, with with Andres. So that's going to be really exciting. There was a surprising bit of news today, um, some good trailers and, you know, just one big story that we definitely got to spend some time on. So I'm ready to jump in on this. So let's get started. So first, I want to do a little gaming note. I'm a little excited right now because I just got Squadrons in the mail, so I'm gonna mm. be playing that this weekend. But are you um, using GameFly? No, I'm not using yeah. GameFly. I bought it. <laughs> what well, you said in the mail? I was like, yeah. Yo, this is my Amazon. guy. I was like, are you using GameFly? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> but um, oh, I have a, some good news, some bad news, and some interesting news in the world of gaming. First, the bad news is that Harry Potter, the open world game, I think it's called Harry Potter Legacy, uh, has been pushed back to 2022, which is kind of a bummer. You know, make but, make the like, after playing Cyberpunk, and I know this is not a gaming pod, but just a, after playing Cyberpunk on my generation con, on my PlayStation Four, I enjoy the game because I enjoy that aesthetic and stuff. But like, it's buggy as hell. And yeah. like, if this open world game is trying to be like everybody coming in and it's fully open, like you got to make sure it's not buggy. Like Skyrim put in the work to make sure their game could do that. Like there's That's different, true. there's different, like it, it takes a lot to make that happen. So if it's pushed back, I hope it's for the better instead of them rushing something out. Cause cyberpunk 2077 did not live up to the hype. That's fair. And I, you know, open world games, I guess I don't really understand too much of the concept. Cause like there's the ones that are like Skyrim that have, you know, you and I could be playing in the same space yep. in the same game. And then there's, you know, like your Far Cries and your Red Dead Redemptions that are all within like a computer generated. So that goes into our my good story here. Which one of these is going is will this property fall into? Lucasfilm Games is going to make a branded Star Wars game, um, and it struck a collaboration with Ubisoft, the game company behind titles like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, to develop a new story driven open world video game set in the Star Wars galaxy. Which makes me think. That it will be like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. Hey, I'm not mad at that. That'd be lit. Everybody all up in there, different Jedi's and whatnot. I'm cool with that. And you know, I, I don't know which direction they're gonna go. I feel like the easy route would be to do something Mandalorian esque, like a bounty hunter open world game. You know, in the vein of Far Cry or Assassin's Creed. They should just make Creed. it where you choose your own. Like they, I know this is asking a lot, but just put us in the Star Wars world and give us. Four different classes, bounty hunter, Mandalorian, Jedi, and smug or smuggler, and let us go down the paths. Yeah, I think that's very similar to what that Harry Potter game is supposed to offer, where you could be like an R or you can be like I think you can even be like a Quidditch player, you know. You, you can do like so that. much shit. That's so what I'm saying. Like, if you think do Star Wars, make it open. So I think I don't know what exactly it is, but this is exactly what I've been clamoring for. If it is because I was just thinking before I even saw the story, I was like, man, you know, with all the success in Mandalorian, making a Mandalorian-esque game where you're like, you can go from world to world and do different things. You can make it Red Dead Redemption-esque where he's just like- That's what in, I'm thinking. Out in the West, just going to different planets, doing different bounty huntings and whatnot sure. and different things. Now I'd be down for that. Um, and then the interesting news is that they are also looking to develop an Indiana Jones game. So would that fall into this whole open world thing too, where I feel like that's uncharted. I feel like that's Lucasfilm saying, Oh, we missed the boat in uncharted has been dominating for years. And this is going to, they're going to do 
the real Nathan Drake, the first Nathan, Indiana. So, like, you know. I'd play that game. Mm-hmm. I'd play it, too. Um, but that's it for the gaming news. I just thought that was interesting because everyone would love to see a Star Wars open world game. Um, but the next bit of news is that Deadpool confirms rated R first rated R film in the MCU. They had to do it, man. I applaud them for doing it and they're doing it the right way. Kevin Feige also said that like they haven't fully embraced the X-Men yet, but it's coming and they're talking about plans every day. And, but for right now, I feel like fantastic four is like the, that, that is the, the headway where we're going right now with fantastic four new Avengers and like, those are the two things we're trying to establish. Isn't um, Eternal supposed to generate something that could eventually lead into that? In humans and X Men, that's what Eternals yeah. will lead the pathway for. But for right now, multiverse, Fantastic Four, New Avengers—that's the headway we're going. And we're about to get Wandavision. Loki next week. We'll have Wandavision to review. That's oh. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wandavision is Friday, so yep. that's going to be really fun. Yep. Um, but that's Lyndon. Let's go into the the big news of the okay. week. Got you. So Netflix has unveiled the uh, actors who will make up the Sparrow Academy, which was formed by Hargraves in the alternate 2019 uh, season of Umbrella Academy. So basically, here are the people that are going to be in. I'm st- I'm not starting at the top with the leader because to me, I don't care if he's the leader. I got to start with the name that blew my mind. So for those out there who are Degrassi fans, if you remember Coked Out Craig, a.k.a. Craig the (laughs) Musician, a.k.a. Craig that cheated on Ashley, a.k.a. Craig that that fucked over... Cheated on Manny. Cheated on Manny, cheated on Ashley, and then he messed up him and Joey's relationship. Yeah, that Craig. Jake Epstein... Back, back in acting is in the Umbrella Academy. He's gonna you can't be pl- say that, bro. What you mean? What I mean, I can't say that. He's been, he's been in Star Trek Discovery. He was in, uh, he was in the Suits. He was in uh, Designated Survivor. Spider Man Broadway too. <laughs> I'm just saying he might. I think he was. I don't want to say he was Spider Man, but he might have been. I don't know. But anyway, all right. My bad. He's been in acting, but. It just seems like this is now he's in the forefront. And I, and I asked Hubert, I texted him. I was like, yo, we're going to see more Degrassi actors. It's like Spinner and Paige are going to start getting roles again. Like, I'm down. Bring them, bring the people back. But Jake, Jake Epstein will play Alfonso. Uh, Sparrow number four, years of crime fighting has left his face and body with countless visual reminders of his battles. To compensate, Alfonso is armed with a caustic and biting sense of humor. The only thing he likes better than verbally battering anyone foolish enough to get in his face is good pizza and a six pack of beer. All right, now let's go to the top. Justin Cornwell is Marcus. He's, he sounds like a he sounds like a mixture of Klaus and uh, Diego. Diego, yeah, he does. Justin Cornwell will play Marcus Sparrow number one, a charming, chiseled colossus, honest, virtuous, and demanding. Marcus keeps the family together, graceful but lethal, calculated but compassionate. He's as smart and as strong. Marcus is disciplined, rational, and, and in control. He oozes confidence, leadership without ever having to raise his voice. This is what Diego and both. Um, What's my guy's name? The the big gorilla man. Uh, this yeah, is what this L- is what Luther. Yeah, this is what Luther and Diego both want to be. It sounds like. Sounds like he, this is like the perfect version of their two ideas. The next person is Justin H. Min. He'll play Ben. So the, it's not the Ben that we know, the sweet Ben that we know and love. This Ben is a Machiavellian tactician wrapped up in a pretty boy body with a rumbling inner squad, a uh, squid, vicious, pragmatic, and hyper vigilant. Ben is determined to gain his status at leader as at all costs. The 
The third Sparrow is played by Brittany Oldford, and she will play Faye. Faye is a is the world in a special way. She comes across as a misanthrope, uh, misanthrope who would rather be alone than spend even a second with you. But truth be told, Faye wishes she had a friend. Most of the time, Faye is the smartest person in the room, willing to work things out. But if you cross her, there's no looking back because Faye won't stop until the job is done. The next person is played by G uh, Genesis Rodriguez. Uh, will play Sloane, a romantic and dreamer who feels a higher cosmic calling, leaving her eager to see the world and experience a life beyond her upbringing, but obligations to her family keep Sloane tethered to the academy, as does her fear of crossing the family line, but Sloane has plans and one day she might be brave enough just to act on them. That sounds like a, uh, what's, uh, Paige, that sounds like a, what's, what's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, Ethan Page. Uh, what, what's uh, no, Elliot Ellen Page? Page? Oh, yeah, Elliot Page. Elliot yeah. Page. Yeah, that sounds like Elliot Page's character. So pretty like because Vanya. She, yeah, Vanya, because Vanya didn't want to be a part of the family too much either. So the next one we got is Cassie David. Larry David's uh, daughter, I believe, is playing Jamie. Sparrow number six. Jamie is a loner hidden under a hoodie. She doesn't say much because she doesn't have to. Jamie has a fear inducing snarl. Catch a glimpse of it and you'll run across the street to avoid what follows. Smart and sharp as a knife. She spends most of her time hanging with Alfonso, her only friend. And then the final one is the existential dread inducing Cychrome Cube will uh, will play Christopher. Christopher's a telekinetic cube of unknown origin. He can turn the room freezing cold and induce per, uh, paralyzing fear. He acts as the Sparrow's co uh, consulted oracle. Consulted. Yeah, consulted oracle who hands out incredible advice and serves as the family's mediator. Trustworthy, loyal, and is treated by the Sparrows like any other sibling. Christopher is a force to be reckoned with. Interesting, the cube. This sounds the interesting, cube. man. I, I feel like, yo, this group of people sounds like they can beat the Umbrella Academy's ass right now. <laughs> And I haven't even seen them fight. Facts. I don't even know their powers. Facts, yeah. It's it's definitely an interesting casting group. You know, besides Jake Epstein, you know, a lot of names that we've never really, we can't really recognize. The most popular um, one is Cassie David, and that's just because of her dad. But, and, and yeah, mainly because of her dad, and she's more of a writer anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's interesting that she's stepping in and and taking on this role uh but yeah the sparrow academy seems like a force to be reckoned with i'm interested to see their powers man and i'm interested to see how the the gang handles it there's more of them like the only one i have confidence in umbrella academy is five and and i, I had confidence in diego but like diego's powers don't seem like they're very useful too much sometimes like he was getting his ass beat by hitman like he wasn't like he wasn't putting up too much of a fight like if five's the one you know, and Lu I mean, Luther's all right with his strength. And Vanya has great power, but, you know, she can't really control it. So Klaus is pretty much useless in this, yeah. at this point because I mean, Ben the, can't help him because Ben can't help him. And then uh, the rumor girl is, is she's still pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I guess like if, if you listen to her <laughs> and you hear her rumor, otherwise well, that, that's the thing, like for people who don't know who she is, it's helpful because like that's true. Yeah, because you could get caught. You could get caught by pretty fast. I understand what you're saying, 100. percent But excited to see what's up with the Sparrow Academy and the new season of Umbrella Academy. They got me hype. This is this is a way to get people intrigued in your new season. So good on them. Next up, we got some trailers. First one we got is so yeah, we got Bar Barb and Star visit Coastal Del Mar. This is a trailer I saw in a movie. I, I'm pretty sure I saw I this did. in yeah. I I don't know what it wasn't Wonder Woman. I had to see this in Tenet, and I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this like oh in tenant so i didn't know this oh was yeah you know what i'm pretty sure i saw it in tenant too yeah so but i mean hey it looks good is it like about to drop or a something? different trailer mm. yeah it's about it's about to drop it's uh gonna drop in february okay february 12th 
And, Looks like a pretty um, good comedy. Yeah, Kristen Wiig teaming up with um, a- Annie Mumolo again. Annie Mumolo wrote Bridesmaids. Okay, cool, cool. So it should be a, a good team up. I mean, Jamie Dornan is going to be in this. Damon Wayne's Jr. Oh, uh, my boy, Coach. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, Josh Greenbaum, who is directing it, what directed many of the episodes of New Girl. So oh, okay. It's going to be a comedy. It's I think it'll be, you know, in the in the era of straight to home DVD purchases. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty fun comedy, and it could, you know, be a similar situation to Palm Springs, something a comedy we don't expect to be great. Yeah, and I'm always down for that. You know, speaking on the New Girl team, I just wish my boy Max Greenfield would get off that CBS show, The Neighborhood, and get on some some movies, man. But you know, I, I digress. Don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the Netflix movie, uh, The Wrong Missy. He was in that. No, but did you see? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, David think... Spade comedy. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of what that was, and it was actually a surprise, surprisingly funny film on Netflix. So Especially for David Spade, like didn't see that coming for him. So yeah, it was I'm more ex- for the the chick. Yeah, but I'm excited to see Bob, Barb and Star visit Coastal Del Mar. The next thing we got is Bliss, which is an Amazon Owen Wilson Selma Hayek movie, and boy, did that blew my mind. Like this whole idea of her being a scientist that maybe created an alternate reality, or is he imagining that and going crazy and forgetting his like stuff with his real life, or is it real? All of these things giving me. Inception, did it happen? Or is this a simulation type vibes? I loved it. Just more more reason to just jump on the Amazon bandwagon and them showing that they're putting out good content. Yeah, Owen Wilson. I hadn't I can't even think of the last thing that I've seen him in. I know he's been doing things. <laughs> is this the Owen Wilson songs? <laughs> it could be. I mean, you know, a lot of the comedy actors have wanted to jump more into the drama. I think Adam Sandler really kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. So I saw there was a where Andy Sandberg was saying, I would love to do an Uncut Jams. See, like, look, Sandler. You know, these comedy guys really want to show that they can act in you know drama movies. And this is Owen Wilson's opportunity on a big stage like Amazon to come out with a movie with, with Selma Hayek and, yeah. and do something a little different. And I think it, based on the trailer, it's, it looks really exciting. It looked like, yo, I need to watch this. Whether or not, like, whether or not I see anything else from it, I know when this drops... I'm more I'm more intrigued to watch this than I am the new Anthony Mackie wire movie like this looks good. I'm going to force myself to watch that movie, but I wouldn't have to force myself to watch Bliss. So I'm excited for Bliss. The next trailer we have is a new Studio Ghibli film, uh, Earwig and the Witch, an anime thing. So I thought it looked cool. Good for Studio Ghibli. It's a CGI for Studio Ghibli. I know, but like if anybody, I'll trust them. So, you know, but that's not really my cup of tea, but I'll watch it because it's Studio Ghibli but I do not like the animation, but I'll give them a shot, you know, because it's, it's like Sabrina, the teenage witch meets Matilda. Like it's, it's is interesting. That, it's, it's that weird studio Ghibli vibe, but the best trailer I saw was Malcolm and freaking Marie. Yo, JD dubs, my boy. I Look, I told y'all 
when we did our actors that we're most excited for, J.D. Dubs, not only did he just drop the, one of the best action movies I've seen in a while in Tenet, and now he's about to come show you that he can act, act with like his own version of Marriage Story, because that's what I'm calling the, the, this. It's, it, it's his version of Marriage Story, and I think it's going to work, and I think it's going to work hella well for Zendaya, too, coming off her Emmy win. Both look incredible in it, and I'm super excited to see this. Like, if it get, at first I was like, is this about to be horror? But then there, it's just like, no, that's just the tension of their relationship, and it's like, ooh. What it reminds me of, actually, based upon like the overallness of the film, is a uh, lighthouse. Mm, love black story, and white. Widely. Yeah, I feel that. Black and white, two people just acting. Yeah, I'm excited for this. So I think this could be very big for both of their careers. And I'm pretty sure Netflix is going to want this in the Oscar race. I mean, I don't see why not. So we shall see. Yeah. But I'm watching that. That's probably something we'll review on this show because that actually looks pretty damn good. But well, you- we're, we're about to talk about it here in a minute. But, you know, this is part of Netflix 71 original films that they're releasing this year. And they definitely want it to hit. I feel like this is definitely a good one to. This is one that to, they want to get behind for sure. Yeah. Because they um, spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, they did. And, you know, Sam, a lot of big names, JDW, Zendaya, Sam Levinson, you know, the, you know, you got to show that you're going to, when you give them the platform, they're going to produce. Yep. So, much. and this, this, like you said, this could be big for Netflix, part of their 71 original films. And this is something that not to jump the gun on our interview, but it's interesting of the conversation that we had with our interview, you guys will see, but Netflix is gearing themselves as a place for independent film. And if this works, mm. This will be huge for them. Y'all will understand why what that what that means, what I just said when you hear the interview. But I think this is something big for filmmakers and creators going forward if this works, especially in this time. Mm hmm. One hundred percent. And then you had the so, the cherry teaser on there, but the full one's dropping today when you guys. Yeah, the, the full one will have already dropped when uh, when you guys are hearing this. So I won't talk too much about it. It was just a little blurb of him walking into a uh, army recruiters office and you know we do know from talking about it is that he is an army medic with psd who becomes addicted to opioids and starts robbing banks yep so, so this is kind of like probably the opening scene this could be good for tom holland's career if it's good yeah um and also you have sierra bravo's in this and i love sierra bravo like she was on what that show big time rush on nickelodeon and she has come so far from that a Jeez, lot of these like, Knicks kids are growing up, man. Like the Wolves, the Wolves are killing it. That's very true. The Wolves I, are killing it. Fuck with the Wolves. Right, shout yes, out to Nat Sierra Alex. Bravo was recently on uh, Wayne, that show on Amazon that I really love. So I'm glad that she's going to be in this uh, big movie with Tom Holland. So I'm excited for it. Hell yeah. All right. What we got next? Speaking on those 71 original films. Yeah, so the 71 original films, they released a, or Netflix released on their Twitter, like a little trailer. And in that trailer, they highlighted some of the titles, including the film Red Notice, which is going to star Gal Gadot, The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, the heist film. It's the fucking action curse of Netflix. Netflix thinks they can just get any big actor and be like, yeah, bro, we got an action movie for you. The Rock, Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, we got one for you. The Rock art, I mean, the Ryan Reynolds is doubling back from Six Underground, trash, fucking uh, old guard. Tra- and don't get me, was the Chris Hemsworth thing? Was that Extraction 2? Was that Extraction 2? Was that what that was? Where he was driving the fucking boat? No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, Red Notice. 
<laughs> the Western, the harder they fall with Regina King, Idris Elba, and Jonathan Majors. Let me say fire. this. Yeah, I was about to say, we, we, I talked a little shit on it when we first heard about it because I thought it was going to be in present day and it, and it wouldn't have been about like guns and actually being a Western, but this looks like it's actually going to be a Western. So I'm hyped for this. Uh, and like, this looks good. Shout out to Regina King. Shout out to Idris Elba. Shout out to Jonathan Majors. I think this is going to be hype. Well, I don't think Regina King is about to put her name on anything that's trash. True. And that's my fault. I should add more faith in my top F actress in Hollywood, her and Amy Adams. Uh, I stand by those two women. They're great. Speaking of Amy Adams, w Women in the Window is another one of these Netflix animated films. Or it not gave animated, me, I know you films. didn't. I know you didn't watch this, but it gave me vibes of the Alfred Hitchcock film. Um, fuck, how am I missing the name? With Jimmy Stewart, where he's just... Uh, Taking the camp, is it? Oh my gosh, this is gonna bug me. I'm gonna look up the name of it, but it gives me those vibes. It's not Vertigo. Hold on, I'm gonna tell you, give me one second. Jimmy Stewart, Alfred, yeah, Jimmy Stewart movies. Here we go. Uh, rear window, it gave me big rear window vibes. It looks like Amy Adams is gonna be in that apartment the whole time. And if that's the case, I'm down for that because rear window was great and I love Amy Adams and if she's going to give her take on that. I'm down for that. Yeah. The whole bit of women in the window, we've talked about it before is that she is like a homebody who doesn't like to leave her apartment, but she, she witnesses sees. a murderer across the street or Th something. That's like rear that. window. Like that's 100% rear window. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I'm hyped for that. Br Hell yeah. Bringing it to a new audience. Uh, Zack Snyder's The Army of the Dead with Dave Bautista. Another one of these action movies is probably going to be trash. This. OK, funny enough. Funny enough. I, I, I'm, I'm with you with Netflix action. You know how we feel about that. But am I buying the Zack Snyder Kool-Aid where I kind of believe in this? Like because it's probably. him. And when he does like stuff like this, it's usually decent to good. I don't know. But then like seeing the guy next to Dave Bautista going, I was just like, I don't know if I'm fucking with this. So like, I'm 50-50 digging it. But like, then that dude was doing that. And I'm like, oh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know on um, that one. Let's see. Uh, Lynn manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Tick, Tick, Boom. That's going to be good. Uh, Andrew Garfield. That's going to be good. It's a musical. Yeah. Uh, don't Look Up, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, J-Law, Leo. Ariana Grande, Timothy Chalamet, um, Kid Cudi, and Meryl Streep. I, I I'm hyped for this one. I, and I just saw Leo with a with a brown beard and J Lo with like a eye ring, and I'm like, what is my guy Leo doing? But like, hey, I'm watching. We getting a I'm Leo movie by the end of the world. We're getting a Leo movie and a Denzel movie in 2021. Let's go, man. Let's go. I'm hyped for movies this, this year. Um, and the slate also included some features, uh, the culmination of their homegrown top rated franchise to all the boys I've loved before, which also had a trailer come out that that's, I think that's releasing at that's the end Santino of the month movie. or next week. Yeah. Santino. And, um, I don't know that one, but I know, but I know that I will watch that Joey just King. because, just because I've already watched one and two with my girlfriend. I gotta, yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> look, I'm not going to even hate. I'm not going to even hate. I enjoyed the experience of watching the kissing booth with my girlfriend. I'm not going to even hate. To all the boys I've loved before with my girlfriend. Did you like that one? I like the first one. I don't <laughs> know. I haven't seen the second one. I just I'm into the kissing booth drama because it's just Joey King breaking up with her mans, getting the new mans. And I'm, I'm into it. I'm in it. I'm in it. And see, this goes back to my point of they why sound like I don't the same like movie. Pretty, 
probably is. But this goes back to my point on why I don't like romantic anime. And I'm not going to go too long into that. But it's just like, if I'm going to watch some romance stuff, I might as well watch Kissing Booth with Joey King instead of watching some animated people do the same thing. That's all. That's all. You can go watch anime talk to finish hearing that rant on that. But I digress. I'm hyped for three. I'm going to watch three. What else we got? They released a full list, but it's not worth mentioning all the titles because we don't know all of their information. But some that we know from the Netflix trailer include Thunder Force, a comedy with Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer as superheroes. Bruised, a UFC movie directed by Halle Berry and starring Halle Berry. That's the one I'm interested in, just because like, okay, Halle, I'm going to see what you got. It looked like the like if she does it right, that could be good. Uh, yeah, it could be like the next fight, fighter. Or, Southpaw or fighter. Southpaw. Yeah. yeah um, and the, the Thunder Force comedy, I just, I, I don't know. I'm yeah, kind of played but... out on Melissa McCarthy comedies <laughs> at this point. I'm sorry. I'm with you. That's why I didn't say anything. I jumped to the, <laughs> let's see, I was keeping it pushing. Um, Escape from Spiderhead is a thriller with Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. That's what you were referring to earlier. Gosh, within the boat. <laughs> I, I believe look, it's going to be less action, more thriller. So hopefully maybe. it's good because of Miles Teller. I'm a big Teller fan. Chris, you yeah, know, I haven't seen him in anything in a while. It's been a minute. So, you know, I mean, I'm excited to see what Teller's bringing because like he should be he he auditioned for the uh, Elvis thing. He didn't get it. But like mm-hmm. a lot of the things he's been auditioned for have been big like titles. He's just been losing to like Butler and Chalamet and shit like that. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, because he, he was in one of the best films of last decade, Whiplash. He was, and so. that's why that's why I'm saying he's 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 going for these big roles. So I'm guessing he's trying to you know get some more clout up. And what and was the it. other really good movie he was in? Um, he was in that uh, War Dogs with um, War Dogs. That was that's that it. was like really good with um my boy fucking uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Funny thing about Jonah Hill. Now that we're mentioning him, uh, when I watched that Netflix show about the but the curse words mm. where he was the, he's the guy who's dropped the most F bombs in movies. <laughs> he is. That's, that's yeah. fucking hilarious. That's kind of unbelievable when you think of Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Oh yeah. But apparently in Wolf of Wall Street, he dropped like some, uh, something like a hundred F bombs. Oh shit. But if you count Wolf of Wall Street and super bad, then yeah, I could see it. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Okay. That, that's believable. What, uh, they also uh, have uh, some other ones too. I think like a couple more. I'm uh, interested yeah, in the action movie with uh with Jason Momoa. That's Sweet yeah, Girl, huh? Sweet Girl. Yeah, Sweet Girl is the action movie with Jason Momoa. Then there's Bad Trip, which is a comedy with Eric Andre. I'm um, going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Kate, which is an action movie with Woody Harrelson. I'm going to watch it. And then, of course, Malcolm and Marie. Nice. Okay. So shout out to Netflix, man. I hope this works. The uh, the Schubert said the film for this week is The Wire, which is the Jamie Foxx movie. I'll try to no, watch the, it. Uh, Anthony Mackie. Um, yeah, Anthony Mackie. Sorry, sorry. Anthony Mackie and my boy from Snowfall. So I'm gonna try to watch it before we come back next week and let y'all know what's up with it. But you know, we shall. I see. might watch it. Yeah, I'm a, I just heard it wasn't good, and I'm and you know me with Netflix. I don't movies. know if, we'll, if it's good, we'll we'll full review it. But if not, then I'm gonna just mention it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a, I'm gonna check it out. But next up, we got Rami Malek. Big, I'm loving Rami Malek's decisions. This goes back to that Ryan Gosling point of get a better agent. But I digress. Uh, Rami Malek and Zoe Saldana have been added to the ensemble cast of David O. Russell's untitled, untitled new Regency film, joining Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and JD Dubs, John David Washington. Look, the last David O. Russell film I think I saw was American. I think American Hustle was the last one, and him and Christian Bale did a damn good job with that. So I'm hyped for this. 
Yeah, last David O. Russell film I saw was. Let's see. Uh, did I see Joy? Oh, but that's see, yeah, I, I didn't. See, I didn't see Joy. Uh, oh, just oh, just as a director. Just no, as he a was di- director. Yeah, he's the director of Joy. Yeah, I didn't see that one or Accidental Love. I saw uh, American Hustle and Silver Lining Playbook in the Fighter. So yeah, the last the one fighter, I saw was yeah. American Hustle. So I'm excited for this. Good to see you know some more David O. Russell content, and he works. But well- you know, look. Look at Rami Malik. He's with Denzel and John David. Huh, he's loving the Washington family and Christian Bale. I'm I'm digging this. Let's go. What a what a great choice for him. And he has the uh he has the fucking James Bond movie in the tuck in his back pocket, just waiting. Rami Malik might have a big 2021. I'm just saying he might have a big one this year. So you are right. Look out for him with that. But next up, first look at Sylvester Stallone's superhero thriller Samaritan. Is it a superhero movie? I guess it is. Well, Samaritan follows a young boy, uh, Javon Walton, who discovers that a legendary superhero went missing 20 years earlier in his neighborhood. Also featuring the cast of Martin Starr, uh, Pilu Asbeck, uh, Dasha Polanco, and Moises Arias. Wait, Schubert, I don't know if I watched this trailer. I thought it's not I, a trailer. Oh, it's not a trailer. Oh, wait. There's another it's a picture. Funny enough, there's another Sylvester Stallone movie called Samaritan, and I watched the trailer for that, and it's just a bank robbing thing. So when I, I was like, wait, what's going on here? But all right, good for Sly Stallone. This might be good, you know. Yeah, Javon Walton, he's that kid that was hanging out with uh, the homie in Euphoria. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm Googling him right now. Yeah, he was, the, okay, yeah, he's the little boy that hangs out with our guy, Angus Cloud. Yes. Okay. Angus Cloud. Shout out to Angus. Still trying to get you to come on the pod. That will happen soon enough. But also they got Moises Arias. Look, these Disney shit. Back to what we were saying earlier in the show. These Disney and Nick kids coming out of their shell. We'll see what he has. But all right. This sounds interesting. Yeah, it does sound interesting. So we'll definitely see what this is all about when it gets closer to coming out. But superhero thriller. I like that we're getting new superhero takes in the superhero era film. Uh, you know, I really thought that Brightburn was a good move on like seeing what we could do within the superhero genre. And now we're getting some like actual R rated mm-hmm. uh, DC MCU films. So I think we're starting to expand what we can do with superhero films. You know, and I think, you know, even uh, Glass really kind of brought us back. And, and the like, boys. You got to give some of the boys. Well, I'm talking about movies. Just movies in general. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so no, 100%. So, and then you get uh, that Jamie Foxx power, the, the pill thing. That's yeah. another thing. Yeah. Project power. Yeah. yeah. So. That's Netflix, though. Uh, but anyway, Alan S. Kim, the seven year old breakout star of Minari, which I really want to see, is joining forces with eighth grade actor Elsie Fisher for the new film Latchkey Kids. In Latchkey Kids, Kim will play a bright nine year old who befriends an eccentric teenager, Fisher who's also looking to escape a dysfunctional life and mother. The pair faces a considerable obstacle. Local enforcement believes Kim's character might be offing his babysitters. The film will be directed by John J. Boudion, whose last pick was the acclaimed Rockaway, which is actually very similar to the plot of this, where it had two kids who were trying to take down like their abusive father. So he definitely knows how to work with young kids in a way that is a little bit more seriously toned. And we've seen with Alan S. Kim and what he is doing with Minari and getting all the critical acclaim. And with Elsie Fisher at eighth grade, these kids are really big time actors um, that are on the come up. So this could be a really great movie. 
Hell yeah! Look, look, excited to see what they uh what they present. But uh, next up we got Netflix is giving a series order to the Lincoln Lawyer, a drama based on the Michael Connolly series of the best selling novels from Big Little Lies to Big Sky creator uh David E Kelly and A and E Studios. Oh, so it's from the Big Little Lies creator David E Kelly and A and E Studios. They're making it interesting. Yeah, I, and it's I, gonna I, be on FX. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Wait. It's gonna be on it. I thought it was gonna be Netflix. No, my bad. That's, yeah, that's a later on, one. That's a later yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's Netflix. It's gonna bad. be on Netflix. Yeah. So interesting enough, I'm a big fan of the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln Lawyer movie. I enjoyed it a lot. So, and what the Big Little Lies creator and Big Sky creator Dave Lee Kelly has been doing, I'm interested to see this. I think, I think the key to this though will be who's gonna be in the Matthew McConaughey role. Who's gonna be the lead character? I think that's gonna be key to determining the success of that because. The reason why I love the movie so much was because of Matthew McConaughey's charisma and me believing what he did as a lawyer. And that made it great. Not so much the storytelling, more so the the storytelling was great, but it was more so how Matthew McConaughey presented that storytelling. So that's what I think is going to be key to this. And it could be a chance for a, a young actor to, uh, you know, get a get a big series. That's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be someone who isn't a huge name that would be ta- taking uh, this role. Um, but I assume that we will get some people who are a little bit more well-known to other other parts. But, you know, I didn't, never really got to see the movie, which I heard is really good. Mm. Um, it is. But... It's, it's definitely worth checking out. I think it's on Amazon right now. Mm. All right. Well, I'll have to check it out. But I think with Netflix taking this IP, it could, it could really be beneficial for them. The one thing we haven't been talking about since we've talked about their 71 original films is that they are throwing out new series and, you know, some of them are, are hitting and uh, we'll talk about, well, I, w- I didn't put it in my movie on the rise, uh, but like they're bringing disenchantment back this week. And mm. they also have a new original that's coming out this week. And Bridgerton had a lot of success. My cousin keeps telling me about freaking Bridgerton, bro. I'm he's like, yo, you got to watch it. It's good. It's good. Shot little Reg, but I'm not, I'm not watching Bridgerton, bro. <laughs> little Reg likes Bridgerton. Like Lil, Bridgerton's fire, bro. Little Reg is a big fan of Bridgerton, bro. Like that's he, he is a Shonda Rhimes stand. So like, he loves Bridgerton, but you know, that that's another one of those Netflix things that's hidden. But next up, the Haunting of the Hill director Mike Flanagan is interested in making a DC horror movie about Batman's villain Clayface. I think it could work in the sense of doing it like Joker, where it has nothing to do with Batman, but just taking the idea and concept of Clayface. I think it could work since DC's doing these like one off things. I think it could be yeah, big I'm for just- them reading more into like what he was talking about and what he's been thinking about pitching and it is going way more in depth on like the idea of who Clayface is and this actor who's like, and, and the difficulty it is to be Clayface. Yeah, no, I think it's so work like, in just seeing all the different faces in his head and, and, uh, and being this actor and always having to like, think he, he loves the idea of portraying to be someone else, but then he forgets who he is and he hates that. Yeah, no, I think it could be very good if, if done right. So, you know, in the house on the haunting Hill is like, people are fucking with that shit right now. So, you know, we'll see if DC does that, but I feel DC's on a, on the path to somewhere else right now. Not necessarily that, but I do feel like if you're talking about putting on originals on a on HBO Max, that could, this be, could be that's what I'm saying. Like this could be something that they could really consider to just taking a stab at. Like if you're not thinking about using Clayface in any of your other properties, like why not let th- this guy make his take and see how it goes on HBO Max. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, so a limited series about the infamous punk band, the Sex Pistols, has been ordered at FX. 
the six episode series is based on Steve Jones 2018 memoir Lonely Boy Tales from a Sex Pistol. Academy Award winner Danny Boyle will direct and executive produce the series. Uh, Baby Teeth actor Toby Wallace stars as Jones, while Game of Thrones star Maisie Williams has joined the cast as punk icon Jordan. Other cast includes Anson Boone as John Lydon, Lewis Partridge from Enola Holmes as Sid Sid Vicious, uh, Jacob Slater as Paul Cook, Fabian Frankel as Glenn Matlock, uh, Dylan Llewellyn uh, as Wally Nightingale, Sydney Ch- Chandler, Sydney Ch- Chandler, sorry, as Chrissy Hind and Emma Appleton as Nancy Spungen. So, FX coming out with another drama, and uh-huh. you know, adding Amazing Williams definitely is going to excite some people. Yeah, that should be something that that people should look forward to. I'm excited for that, and it's it's about the the uh based on the uh, Sex Pistols uh tale from the Sex Pistols. I'm I am down. Like, let's go. Maisie Williams, look at you getting something like growing up on us. I see it. I'm down. Let's see it. Let's see what type of actress she is. And this is a you know, this is something that could like boost her up, you know? Yeah, Maisie Williams post Game of Thrones. I've really enjoyed what she's been doing. I thought she I thought she shined in New Mutants, even though New Mutants was a man film. To, to me, it was her and uh it was her and um and Anya Anya Taylor Taylor Joy. Yeah. Those were the two best parts of that movie. Which makes sense because they're two of the better people that come out of that movie. Um, exactly. And- your, bo- your boy from Stranger Things was not. <laughs> no. no. Um, and then Maisie Williams' HBO Max series I really enjoy right now as well. So yep. um, I'm just excited to see what she's going to do as the punk icon Jordan. Um, and then the last story we have, not too much known about this, but Raimi star May uh, Kalamui has reportedly joined the DC plus series or Disney plus series Moon Knight. Nice. In an undisclosed role. And she's, she's a Middle Eastern actor. And we know that Moon Knight is going to take some, uh, some things from what like Egypt is. And he have like, yeah, he has ties. He definitely has ties to Egypt in the Middle East. That's a fact. So that it only makes sense. Oh, I just found something good for my movie on the rise. I'm excited, and I'm I'm surprised you missed out on this. You and this is something you would have definitely take. Okay, <laughs> I got something good. All right. Well, my movie on the rise this week is uh, WandaVision. Oh, wait, wait. Let me tell people what to say. Movie on the rise. This is a segment of the show where we give you something new to watch uh, this week when you hear this. That's either movies or TV that will be coming out between now and the next time we do a show. So that's what movie on the rise is. So yeah, back to you, Schubert. What you got for us? Yeah, WandaVision is mine. Uh, I guess I would throw in Outside the Wire as well. That's the only things I really knew that were coming out this weekend. Uh, one thing that you forgot, and it's something that me and you both are hype on, this Friday, instead of watching Outside the Wire, you should watch on Amazon Prime, One Night in Miami, the Regina King mm. movie, where the Jim Brown, uh, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, and um, Sam Cooke are all in Miami for the one night. I think that's going to be a great movie. Yeah, I definitely want to see the runtime of that. Because I think that's something we can maybe talk about next week, depending on whichever one's good outside the wire. This one of them's getting talked about. I can can tell you which one's going to be good, right? (laughs) Same, same. Oh, man. And and it's not outside the wire. It is not. (laughs) Oh, shit. But I am hyped for WandaVision. Chatter keeps coming that this is going to be good. But 
I did hear maybe we should lower our expectations for the first episode because it that's may, what I was thinking. Because it may just be sitcommy. So I was thinking know. that we're it's going to be more of an introduction here, and like we're not really going to get in the meat of like what this Until series like really is three. going to be. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it because, like, I definitely want some Marvel content because we haven't had it since, like, 2019. I know, I'm kind of so. itching for it. Like, and I was kind of Marvel out in 2019, but, like, now I'm like, you know, I need, I need some Marvel in my life. Well, I've been clamoring for Black Widow since, like, uh, March. And, yeah. like, I, I was really excited to see that movie. So, like, that's the thing. Like, we were Marveled out, but there was definitely some titles that we were excited to see. And, you know, having WandaVision come out and knowing what we know it could lead to definitely makes me excited. So maybe not this first week, but it's going to get better. And and depending on how good it is, we may bring back our reactions on Twitch Friday nights. Just maybe we'll see. Maybe depending on on if it's fire, if it's not, then who knows, but outside the wire, uh, one night in Miami and WandaVision. Those are the things that you guys should be watching this week. So with that being said, yeah. So next up we have our interview with Andres Ace Cabrera and Lindsay and I'll throw it over to you right now. All right, bros who binge fan base, we have a very, very special guest on this week's podcast. We haven't had an interview in a minute, but I am excited that this is the first interview to start off 2021 like this. We have Andres Cabrera, the host of the Meaning of, the Meaning of podcast with uh, the First Cut. Is it First Cut Media? What? First cut, first cut first studios. Cut. Okay, cool, cool. He's a Schmodown competitor with uh with SEN. You've seen him on Collider. You've seen him on the SEN network. I'm super, super excited to to have Andres joining me and Trooper today. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. Good. Uh, I I don't know if you're allowed to say when we're recording this, but uh, sons are currently. Oh yeah, say uh, whatever. Yeah, bro, that's all good. <laughs> uh, so I'm happy. I'm having a pretty decent 2021. Literally, just based off the Suns' performances these past few games. Look, uh, I told you off air, and but I'm I gotta say it on air because I'm I'm serious, y'all. I wouldn't be surprised if y'all make the. I didn't say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if y'all make the Western Conference Finals against that's, uh, LA. That's my goal. Literally, my goal is like let's. I want to face the Lakers. Give me the Lakers. That's who I want to beat. Like, I don't care about any other team. I don't care if we win, like, against Philly or Indiana or Milwaukee. Give me, like, top dog, which is, like, LeBron and AD. Uh, that's, like, my expectations for the Suns this year. Everyone else is, like, you know, number five or six or just make the playoffs. But I always, like, I just want to beat the Lakers, man. I live in L.A., uh, so I see Lakers fans, like, face-to-face, and it's awful, and it's annoying, and I always want to destroy them. Uh, so this is my redemption where I get to be like, dude, we finally have you again and we can be the sons that beat the Lakers. So I pray y'all beat them because if you know, if you know, because we told you we're Pelicans fans, I cannot stand the Lakers for the AD debacle. Oh, I hate the Lakers. Hate oh, em. yeah, you must hate them even more. Yeah, yeah. AD just being like, that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah, bro, didn't, even, didn't yeah. even write a letter to the city. Still hasn't. We have other people have left and wrote letters. He still hasn't given us anything. But I don't yeah. care. We got Zion. Better off. Move, move, moved on from that. But Greener I, pastures. But I definitely think your, your son's team is good. Because, look, when you add Chris Paul to, mm-hmm. to a Thunder team and they make the playoffs with mm-hmm. way less talent than Devin Booker, Aiden, Miles Bridges, like – that team went 15 and 0 in the or like 8 and 0 in the bubble for a reason because like y'all are deep, y'all have great young talent and the young talent that y'all have with Devin Booker, he's on the cuff of all-star, then De- DeAndre Ayton's on the cuff of being a great big man, and then you have Miles Bridges, I mean not my um Mikael Bridges yeah. who 
I'm not really sure what he is. Some days we have flashes of great greatness. At, at To me, his floor is a solid starter. His ceiling is question mark. I, I think he can be the best 3 and D guy in the league, man. I really do. I'm so high on Mikel. He's, he's on my fantasy team. I have a fantasy va- basketball team. Nice. Uh, I have Mikel Bridges. I think that guy is like elite defender. Like he's going to be like one of the best top five three and D guys in the league. And that's, you know, that's saying a lot considering that we have like a jillion three and D guys in the league. Uh, but his three pointer is deadly and his defense is his length is like, he's that's like freaking killer. fantastic. Like his arms just reaching out. Um, I, I think that guy's incredible. I actually like, I, I think those two guys, I think M- Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, Dario, if he plays well, can be our like support Booker scores a good 25 a game doesn't have to go off and then Aiton gets a little better and better each game that's how you make a championship team uh because if I feel like if we put too much on Booker where he's scoring 35 a game it won't be sustainable uh but if we do get the bench to start scoring more if we get campaign involved Mikel involved uh that's how we're gonna win more games, which is what we've been doing so far. Like Booker is like playing decent. Like he's not yeah. even playing like All Star MVP level yet. He hasn't gone explosion for thirty yeah. plus fifty forty point Booker yet, and that's the that's a good thing because if you can save him, get keep Chris Paul at like fifteen to twenty. Let's not have the magical Chris Paul games yet. Keep him low, but keep the assist high, and then like have Aiton be between eighteen and twenty. That's kind of where y'all want to be for the season. And then when the playoffs start, that's when we start seeing Chris Paul magic. Yeah, because then we can uh, save the minutes and we have uh, playing the bench players. And at the same time, we're getting wins, right? Because if we're getting losses, that's why it's like, all right, maybe we should start playing our starters a little bit Pushing the envelope, yep. But the fact that we're getting, I think we're like number two in the West or three in the West. So y'all were one like a couple days ago before the Clippers and Lakers won. Yeah, y'all are like two or three around there. Y'all like, Y'all the real deal, man. But this is a movie pod. I digress for all the yeah, the, the, uh, the the sports. I, I just can't help myself. I'm an NBA hey. stan. Grew up. Well, I mean, we that. do Bros Ball. It's a good uh, opportunity to promote that. That's a fact. Yeah, y'all check out the Bros Who Think podcast. Our segment, Bros Who Ball, 100%. But with that being said, let's get into some movie stuff because you are a movie fan just like us. I want to ask you, our first question is, how did you get into the industry of being a podcaster, working with all these things, and being a writer? Because you write for Geeks of Color as well. Yeah, so I, I moved out to L.A., man, this is crazy. I feel like an old man. Uh, 2014, so uh, September of 2014, or late August of 2014, I moved out to L.A. I got a gig before I moved out there, actually, because this is my thing. So my brother is here in L.A., and he is a film director. He does short films. He does music videos. Uh, or and he does commercials. So it's mainly that kind of work he does. He does a little bit of short films, which is his main bread and butter. Um, eventually, obviously, he wants to do feature film directing, which is actually extremely hard to do. If you guys see the background of like a director coming up, it's like one of the hardest things you can do. Um, so my brother had a buddy who had a gig coming up in LA. And I just graduated college in 2014 uh, from Arizona State. Uh, shout out to ASU, Go Devils. Um, and, and then from there, I literally graduated college that summer, end of August, my brother calls me up and he's like, hey man, my buddy has a gig. Uh, do you wanna do this LA thing and come out here and try the whole film route like I'm doing? Cause my brother was doing that currently at 2014. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I moved out there, became a PA, um, which if you guys know anything about a full-time PA, it's like 
the grind, like the grind. <laughs> it is literally like 13, 14 hour days, nonstop. First one in, last one out, uh, treated like crap by like a bunch of people who think they're super smart. Uh, it's, it's, it really is the grind. And then from there, obviously, uh, we, we got the opportunity to start pitching our writing, to literally pitch writing creatively, writing copy, uh, writing press releases, whatever it was that we wanted to write. And that, that's, that was my way to be like, hey, I can write. Uh, can I be promoted, please, and make more money? And at the same time, you know, get my writing out there. And then that production company, I was able to be one of the writers there and eventually associate producer uh, and produce one of the shows there they have. So uh, that's how I started, man. And I became a producer there. And then I got in contact with the Schmoes when I met him at uh, 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 Los Angeles Comic-Con. It was actually LA Comic-Con 2014 uh, that I met him there. And I literally just told him everything I just told you. I said, hey, I just moved out to LA. I'm a PA. I write. Uh, if you guys ever need any help, let me know. Uh, I've been watching Schmoes for like, two, three, three years, I think, by that point. So like by 2011, I've been watching Schmoes. Um, and then from there, I became an intern there and then got a podcast uh, with my buddy, RB3, who's uh, who used to be on SEN. You guys have seen him if you watch SEN. And the rest is history, man. Still trying to trying to make it. <laughs> trying Feel to do that. the thing, yeah. Feel that. Shout out RB3 too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, RB3 is great, man. Yeah, what about uh, the podcast with RB3? What do, you got, what do you guys like to talk about? What's some of the stuff you like to write with Geeks of Color? Yeah, so for, uh, for Geeks of Color, uh, I was just telling you guys, I do anime reviews a lot. Uh, they give me a lot of anime stuff because I think I'm the only one on the staff that watches anime. <laughs> uh, so I got, a lot, I got to see a lot of anime this year. Uh, so I do that for them. A couple, a couple sci-fi movies because I love sci-fi. Uh, with RB3, we love talking about, we love talking indie movies a lot, man. Like as much as like, the major channels like Nerdist and Screen Junkies and Schmoes loved like the giant Marvel movies in DC. I love those movies too, but RB3 and I really like talking like small, quiet indie movies. Um, so that's kind of how we started out. We started talking about that more than anything else. Uh, and then eventually we start talking about directors, um, talking about uh, different themes in movies, talking about different commentary in movies. Uh, and then from there, we got in contact with... Um, uh, a friend of his, who, whose name is Sabrina, uh, and then she came on the show last year, uh, which was 2019, I believe, like November 2019. Uh, and then she came on the show. And now, officially, uh, this is kind of breaking news. We just officially now launched our Patreon. Nice. Uh, I dropped so some air horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we officially have our Patreon account. Uh, going to be posting even more live stream, even more content, some video essays. We want to get extra, extra nerdy when it comes to film, uh, because that's kind of our bread and butter. And that's kind of what we love when we watch YouTube channels and stuff. So that's kind of what we want to be as well. So yeah, I, I, I love being a part of it. And I love being a part of that team. Um, more, most recently on our podcast last week, actually, we had a conversation about perfect movies. And we we're talking about like the National Film Registry and stuff like that. I want to know from you, what do you think constitutes a perfect movie and what some movies that you would consider perfect? Oh, this is great. I love and to this give you question. some help with that, we like yeah. we had like different categories that we broke it down into to where we were yeah. like, OK, like, for example, like writing, uh, cinematography and like just certain different things that we had as our qualifiers for perfect and perfect movies. Like I had different ones than him. So what are some of your qualifiers just to piggyback on his questions? 
Yeah, right. Because that's what filmmaking is, right? I mean, when you come out here in LA and you realize like filmmaking is everything coming together and that's what a director does really. Uh, mainly a director works with the actors, but a director really makes sure that the sound is top notch, the music is top notch, the cinematography is top notch. And then the team just kind of comes together and makes it in the edit, uh, which again goes to the editing being top notch. Um, but I feel like a perfect movie is going through the story on a ride, right? Because I think that's what a movie should be. It should be a ride where we go up and down and all around and wherever the, the story taker, the story filmmaker wants to take us, if we end up on there and if we end up feeling what he wants us to feel, I think that's a perfect movie. Um, I just saw Citizen Kane for the first time uh, a couple months ago and I never seen that to be honest. And I know that's like one of the movies that everyone's like, oh, you should watch it. It's a perfect movie. It's one of the best movies ever. It kind of is. <laughs> I gotta be honest. It really is one of the best movies ever even though it's like 1940. Uh, it's an ancient movie. Uh, but yeah, a perfect movie. Man, there's been so many great movies over these past 10 years. I think this has been such, I think it's, a, I think it's even a better decade in films than, than the 2000s through the 2010s were, if, you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I feel like 2010 through 2020 has better movies than 2000 to 2010, if that makes sense. No, I feel that. And I, I even say that if you take the 2000s as a whole, I kind of like the 2000s movies more than some of the movies in the 90s, like from, from like 90 oh, to yeah. 99. Like, I, I just think that what we have in this 2000s decade has just been some different storytelling from different storytellers, different kinds of storytellers, men, women, different races. And I just feel like that has given us such an influx of just stories we don't always see. And just, it forces people to tell, I don't want to say better stories, but we just get more, the best stories from all different people. Yeah, that, that's exactly it, right? Because I feel like when it comes to the different decades, most of it is trends, right? I mean, obviously this, this decade has been trends too, but it's like extra, extra trendy. Uh, the 80s is like 80s, 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 80s. Like every 80s movie is like pretty much the same. No offense to any 80s movies, uh, <laughs> but they're all pretty much the same. Uh, 90s movies are super 90s, 90s, 90s. Versus like when you start to get to the 2000s, you see a little bit more variety. You see a little bit more uh, different takes, different perspectives on filmmaking. And that's amplified once you hit like 2012, 2013, 2014, I think is one of the best years in film, which is the year I moved out to LA. And I saw like dozens of films out there. Um, so a, a perfect movie. Uh, I kind of want to steal your guys' whatever it is, but I, I, did my, uh, I did my top 10 of the decade. Um, a couple, uh, like about a year, yeah, a year ago, actually, because that's when the decade ended. Uh, I said, I still think my best movie of the year, the best movie of the decade, and the perfect movie, even though it's a tiny short movie, it got a couple Oscar nominations. It, it was really hyped up, but to be honest, I think it's worthy of the hype. I've watched it so many times with different people from different backgrounds, and that's Get Out. I think Get Out's mm. a perfect movie. Um, I watched it with my parents who are from a different generation, my brother, uh, my, my other brother, my, my brother who's not a filmmaker and who just watches like maybe two movies a year. I've watched it with film fans, with non-film fans, with, uh, you know, my, my Mexican homies, my non-Mexican homies. Like that's a movie that I feel like is a perfect movie. Um, so that's usually my go-to when it comes to like the best of the decade and the perfect movie that I've seen recently. But there's a lot, man. I mean, there's Alien is one, I think is a perfect movie. Nice. Uh, it's one of my all time favorite movies 
Uh, I think Gladiator is a perfect movie. I mean, you, you're, you're noticing the Ridley Scott bias right there. <laughs> I, see I love uh, it, though. I love it. Ridley Scott's my favorite filmmaker, so. Nice. Yeah. And I also love how you said three different movies that neither, neither of us said. Like, both of us had yeah. our list, and I love that you said those movies because yeah. they are perfect. Like, I went, just thinking about it, I'm so upset that I forgot Gladiator because Gladiator's I amazing. love Gladiator. And everything <laughs> you said about Get Out is true. And that, and seeing Jordan Peele go from comedy to be this, this let this, I, 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 was, I can say it, iconic filmmaker. Yeah. It, it's just an amazing journey. I want to ask you before we get to like some of the other stuff, being that you were talking about trends and one of the major trends of the from about two thousand and eight to now has been superhero movies and 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 that has been a topic of conversation whether superhero movies are destroying film or whether there's too much and i'm on the line of as you can see from my shirt i i give me more give me more but i think there's a place for the non-superhero movies just as much as there's a place for both i don't think we have to choose so i want to ask you how do you feel about uh marvel and dc both about the superhero boom and if you have a favorite superhero who would that be Man, this is such a complex question because we've literally done like maybe 15 episodes just on this topic, RB3 and I, on First Cut, where we've like passionately debated this. Here, here's the issue, man. Maybe because we, we have that proximity effect when we're in LA, so we see how things are made. But the problem with superhero movies, and I honestly, I love superhero movies. I rewatch that more than almost any other movie. Uh, so this is coming from someone who's like the biggest MCU, DCEU fan there is. Um, the problem is what happens is that it becomes centralized, right? So this is what happened last year, for example. Last year is a perfect example with Endgame. Endgame is the biggest movie of all time. The problem is uh, everyone went to the movie theater to see one movie and that was Endgame. No one else went to see anything else. So what, it, what, what I mean by centralized is that less people are going to the movies because more people are going to see one or two films, which is usually a superhero film. What, what happens with that is that the movie theaters start to lose money and that the smaller movies get less and less money means that the smaller movies don't get funding which means that smaller movies don't get made. Uh, and that's been happening obviously now with 2020 and the coronavirus and, and quarantine. Now small movies barely even get made at all and we don't even have any barely this year. Uh, most of them are through screeners or most of them are like on Amazon Prime or something and no one's watching that. So the problem with superhero movies is not necessarily that they're bad or anything like that. It's just that everyone goes to see just one or two of those and that's it. And what it does is it limits the audience's uh, variety of films and how many films they go watch and that actually happens and it's been happening obviously over the past five years but especially last year with 2019 eight of the top 10 movies domestically of last year were disney which means only one studio is making, making money. all the money <laughs> and the problem with that is that that one studio makes one type of movie, movie they make yeah. four quadrant films it's a disney film right so it's star wars it's uh you know marvel Pixar it's on disney it's Aladdin, Aladdin made a ton of money. Like those kind of films make a ton of money, but you don't get the get outs. You don't get the night crawlers. You don't get the ex machinas. You don't get like those cool indie movies that we've gotten like a little bit further back in the early 2010s. So 100%, yeah. wait, just to, cause I know Schubert was next, but just to piggyback off that, do you think that stream and the, the rise of streaming and the influx of streaming helps with that? Because 
I agree with you about seeing we don't get some of these indie movies, but I do feel just from hearing some of the comments of, of people who are running these streamings, that's kind of, and I know we lose the, the, the love of going to the movie to see some of these, but I think filmmakers and, 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 and creatives can use the streaming to get some of their stories told that they might not have gotten from these big budget films and being inside of a movie theater. Literally another topic that we talk about a lot on First Cut. Uh, RB3 always brings up that point whenever I bring up what I'm saying. He always says, hey, man, but we have streaming. Like we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have HBO Max. We have stuff that, you know, these filmmakers that are indie filmmakers are now going to streaming. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. The problem is, is that necessarily the best thing? Like we're only watching these tiny movies on our laptop or on our TV. We don't get to see that on the big screen anymore. That's true. And, and in about maybe 10 to 15 years, I really do feel like we're going to see a future where we don't get any independent small film in theaters at all. We only get it on streaming. We only get it on Netflix or on Hulu or on HBO Max. And that's kind of sad, like especially me who just said Get Out was my favorite film of the decade. Part of the reason why I loved it so much was because I did see it in a theater and with an audience that really loved it. Same with Whiplash, same with other movies that are really small. Seeing it in a theater is a major difference. So is it really the best thing that all these little movies are on streaming and all the big movies are in theaters. That's, I mean, it's debatable, right? Because you could say it is a good or it isn't good, so. That is true. And just to, just to piggyback off that, I know I'm sorry, Schubert, he's just bringing up these great points. That I oh love. yeah, she is. Some, something like Palm Springs, I would have never, yeah, I would have never thought about seeing in theaters, but the fact sure. that it was at my house, I get to see this amazing film that really was one of my favorite comedies of the last year. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Like a, a lot of people get to see these movies now. That's what RB3 keeps telling me too. He's like, hey man, but this is the thing. Not everyone has the money to go see these movies anyway, right? That's true too. It's not like a lot of people are going to pay money to see indie movies in their local theater because a lot of these local theaters don't even play these movies. Um, so it's that's better to have them on streaming than not to have them at all. Uh, and that's a really good point too because not everyone is me. Not everyone goes to the arc light and watches like tiny movies for $20 uh, a pop because uh, that's a lot of money and not everyone gets to do that. So that is, a, it's an absolutely fair point. A lot of people are watching more movies on Netflix than ever before. And they're watching more movies in general because of Netflix. So, and that's the thing. Cause like my small theater doesn't play like it's big movie or bust, yeah. like yeah. being in a small yeah. city, but sure, but you can go. Yeah. No, the one thing I was thinking about with that topic though, is the one time that I got to see a lot of really great indie movies was when I was covering New Orleans film festival and got mm. to see, you know, and go into film festival. So hopefully once we get back to seeing theaters or going to theaters, I guess, then we can maybe have those festival like atmospheres and people will be more willing to go to them because then you can see like a bunch of movies for very cheap. Like, you know, that's, what was it? 2019 film festival. So like, uh, a bunch of them are on Amazon Prime, like the Aeronauts. Uh, you got Jojo the, Rabbit. You got Jojo a- Rabbit. I saw Troop Zero. I mean, I saw like a whole bunch of different movies. But yeah, I mean, I, hopefully that's the way that things going. Because I mean, we'd love to get back to the theater for sure. That, that is a fact. I miss the theater. Yes. Um, but anyway, I wanted to ask you some Star Wars related questions. I know that you picked up a High Republic book. Have you? Have, how far have you gotten into High Republic? What are you thinking about it? Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. I just picked up Light of the Jedi. If I'm being completely honest, this is my night. <laughs> Tonight, I, I do like binges when it comes to books. 
Uh, and I know that's probably not the best way to read, uh, but I usually finish a book in like a night or two. <laughs> yeah, I feel that um, every time I get a stack of manga, it's like I'm doing it in one night. We got to go. Yeah, I don't do the whole like, you know, read it by chapter by chapter. So I, I if I'm being honest, I haven't gotten into it. I'm going to get into it uh, hopefully before uh, my new my next episode of Star Wars Sabak the Block is my Star Wars show on Tuesdays at First Cut. Uh, so I haven't gotten a chance yet, man, but I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. Everything I've heard sounds amazing. So yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely pumped about it. But that kind of makes me want to ask the other question. The Star Wars shows that we've just seen get announced, what are what are exciting you? Because I wanted to see if Acolyte was something I should get way more excited about if the High Republic sounds. See, really that's cool. something we've been de- debating. Like, what's the thing we're most he's most excited for Rogue Squadron? I'm over here most excited for like Acolyte and and uh the Obi-Wan series. Where where are you leaning with some of these new Star Wars TV? I heard it on a podcast and I can't take credit for this. I forgot who said it, but they said that the acolyte is the one with the highest upside, which I feel like that's a really good way to put it. Right. Because it's the one that we know the least about. So that's the one where if it's, it is like kind of like the kind of tying into the books, then we get to see a brand new story. Like as much as I, I, if I had to rank him, I would say Obi-Wan, but even as, as much as I want to see Obi-Wan, I would say, the acolyte is something I don't know about. I do know who Ewan McGregor is, and I do know he's a badass Obi-Wan, but the acolyte, it's like anything can happen there. So I feel like acolyte is one that I'm super excited for because of the book connection. And also uh, I have to give a shout out to um, the Cassian Andor show. I think that has a lot of potential to be like super badass, super different than anything we've seen before. That behind the scenes rail just got me so excited. The fact that we're gonna get an espionage, like thriller, get to see all, because when you're growing up, the the rebels always seem like the good guys. The empire always seemed about the bad guys. But one line that stuck out with me in Rogue One was just like, you don't know all the dirty work that I had to do when Cassian's talking to Jin. And it's just like, what's that gray area of Star Wars that will make me morally question the rebels like intention? Because if you look at it from the empire side, they're terrorist kind of like in so like well, it was like that mandalorian episode the yeah most, re- most recent one Facts. Yeah. yeah that was my favorite episode actually of the mandalorian uh and honestly tony gilroy made a movie that i consider i mean if you want to talk about perfect movies nightcrawler is like one of my all-time favorite movies and he's do- he's the one who's written uh the scripts for this show uh so it's a tony gilroy uh i think it's a 10 episode thing i think so too but I might be wrong. But either way, Tony Gilroy writing the script. Cassian six, between six and ten. Yeah. So it's going to be, like you said, like dark, kind of gritty. That's what the Nightcrawler vibe had inside the Star Wars universe. I think that sounds the most different than what I've heard before. 100%. Yeah. I think, I think what's really exciting about the Acolyte, too, is that it really has nothing that it's super tied to besides the books. Like, you don't have to be like, okay, well, he can't go here because then you have to encounter somebody. Like, that's the biggest issues with, like, Cassian and mm. um, and I'm thinking and Obi-Wan, too. I mean, just being, or like, potential. Yeah. I mean, you could have, like, Cassian show up in the in the Lando show <laughs> and, yes. and Obi-Wan show up in the Lando show and in the Cassian show. <laughs> Like it's this whole, like, I think it takes place like all at the same time. I have this weird theory that Lando, Cassian and Obi-Wan take place during the same time. I might be wrong, but it sounds like that's around like the 10 year gap, 10 years before A New Hope, 10 years after um, Revenge of the Sith is like around that time where these shows are supposed to take place. So I feel like that's maybe what we can get. But again, this is me like speculating. I'm keeping an eye it. on what Alden Ehrenreich's doing because, like, if he's got yeah. some time on his schedule, he's, he been, saying be that, to, he's been saying that. He's been saying that for a while now. <laughs> I hope I mean, so, man. 
I love Solo. I, and yeah, I, I, I love Solo too. So I, I really hope guy. we do. We get to see if we don't get a solo show. Maybe the Lando show could be a solo show where we get to see Alden Ehrenreich again. We get to see Infosnest again. Uh, we get to see characters that we got to know. And so I've been telling Lyndon that I think Chewie is almost a guarantee. I was about Chewie to say. Just, like Chewie. you can put him in almost anything because he's yeah. sent in such a span of time. We do yeah. this yeah. thing where we bet them, where we say, oh, if you would bet your mortgage on it. He's bet his mortgage on Chewie being in the Lando show. I, I would too, man. Obviously, true is one of the best parts of that, that movie, if I'm being honest. Like, true is a full blown badass in Solo. I was like, yo, they made Chewie like the badass. Uh, but I, I would love to see Chewie. And Jun is, uh, Junisatomo is that kind of guy who would be game for like anything, too. Oh, yeah. So, he talks about doing it all the time. Yeah. It's like Spe his favorite thing. Speaking on theories, we've been, we, we, since you did one about, the, uh, about Obi Wan, Lando, and all them being together, I want to ask you one about the Mandalorian time. How do you feel? We've been talking about this about uh, Ezra, Ahsoka, Sabine, Jin, uh, Jin uh, the Mando, and all of them getting ready to do like this Marvel's endgame for Thrawn. Because that's what it feels like. You don't drop Thrawn's name in the Mando series and then say they're about to have this Mando's tying in a Boba Fett, tying in a Ahsoka, all of this without Thrawn being the main guy. Like, because I, I don't know who else it would be. Yeah, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy if you want me to be the realist, man, because I'm the kind of guy who's like, oh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> Sabine is going to show up. Hera is going to show up. Freaking Ezra is going to show up. Like, I have all the – I literally have said that all of them are going to show up. Be, but to be fair, like, it makes sense. It like, does. it makes a lot of sense for especially Sabine uh, to show up. Uh, Ezra, I, I think, did ho – homie, what's his name, Rahul? He's been he, tweeting about it. That's what we said. I think it's a guarantee. <laughs> I think he already played him. I think he's already has his scenes filmed. Uh, I just think he's like messing around on it because I do feel like it's a guarantee that he's playing Ezra. Um, I think Sabine's going to show up. I, I hope Hera shows up. I even think Hera could be one of the main characters or at least one of the characters in the Rogue Squadron movie. Yes. Uh, because that's what I think said. that makes a lot of sense because it's supposed to be during the Rebellion. Uh, or the or Rangers, or not High Republic. The Rangers of the New Republic. Rangers of the New Republic, yeah. Oh, that's a potential. I never considered that. Yeah. Uh, but to me, the, the Rogue Squadron, Patty Jenkins movie, because she says, like, it's rebel fighters and it's about badass that's pilots. And I, and I was like, Hera? <laughs> <laughs> badass pilot, rebel, VCX 100, uh, ghost? Like, that would be amazing, man. I would love to see a live action ghost and Hera just kicking ass. That would be amazing. But like you said, Sabine makes the most sense to Sabine me. is like, they have it, to. Be. It has to. And, and with these yeah. characters, it comes to a man, Dave Filoni. And what, mm. how do you feel about the job that him and John Favreau have done setting up basically, I don't want to say revitalizing Star Wars, but th everybody knows what happened with the movies. But what they have done with Mando just brought a whole new energy and a whole new life to the Star Wars community and fan base. What do you think about the job that Filoni and Favreau have done? Yeah, man. I feel like season two was just such a step up as much as I loved season one season two was just such a step up I, I can't deny what Filoni and Favreau did uh what Rick, Rick Famuyiwa shout out to Rick because I, I still think he did the best episode of the Mandalorian and I he he wrote a couple episodes too with Dave uh so shout out to him as well but yeah man they're kicking ass I mean they can keep kicking ass with with the shows they're doing and I think they definitely have the right formula for a Star Wars TV show we've seen it yeah uh, I guess the one other Star Wars thing to cover, this Taika Waititi unnamed thing. Uh, are you excited to have Taika jump into the movie, to the movie, to Star Wars movie space? Yeah. Yeah, obviously Thor Ragnarok is one of my all-time favorite MCU films. It's in my top three MCU films. 
uh, What We Do in the Shadows is like one of my favorite all-time shows slash movies slash show. Uh, that's a Taika Waititi production. And dude, the writer is the writer of 1917. I don't know if, how you guys feel about 1917, but that was one of my favorite movies of last year. It was in my top two of the year. Um, and she wrote the movie 1917 and, and the, the way... She like planned out the action scene. She planned out the tracking shots. Like all that is in the script. So, you know, she's a badass. Uh, I'm so hyped, man. I have no idea what it could be. I, I low-key would love it to be something in the High Republic. I think that would be so freaking cool. Special. Yeah. Um, I also heard, I also heard uh, not a rumor, but I heard a speculation from a, from a Mexican YouTuber who said like, what if it's a Dr. Afra uh, movie? Uh, and I, I would love to see like a Dr. Afra show, but a Dr. Afra movie with Taika sounds even better. Yeah. Um, sounds wild. That, yeah, it's because it's, yeah. it's so goofy and over the top and insane, but at the same time, like action packed. Um, Which sounds so just I, like Taika. Exactly. So that could be like a Taika, white TV kind of thing with a Dr. Afra. But honestly, either or, I, I would prefer High Republic because I feel like there's a little bit more meat there. Um, but either, whatever they do, man, that 1917 writer and Taika white TV just bawling. So. Before I get to anime, I got to ask you some super, who's your favorite superhero? Because we never got to that. We missed that. And oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you think? Who would you like to see? Because we also talked about this on a couple of our other episodes. Who would you like to see as the next big, bad Thanos level MCU villain? My vote is for Doom. Ooh, I like that. Um, man, it's, it's, I'll, I'll say my, my three-way tie that it's always like if they're sprinting down, they would literally cross the finish line at the same time. Uh, my two DC kings, uh, Batman and Superman, are always nice. going to be my favorite superheroes. And then Spider-Man. Nice. Uh, Spider-Man is always going to be my favorite. So I know that's like the everyone says the same. But uh, honestly, man, a, a big love to, to Superman. Because I think Superman is a badass. I think he's so underrated. Uh, I love everything that Superman does in the animated series, in Justice League, and in his individual movies. I think he's amazing. Uh, I, I'm dying to see more superman just give me more superman i saw like a ton of superman movies this year um animated movies mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys have seen them the oh Small, yeah Red Sun, the other one which one's your, which one's your great. which one's your favorite uh superhero movie i think i mean super, uh, superman animated movie i gotta go with all-star superman yeah dc it, it's it has to be all-star because <laughs> that's like a perfect comic man and it's a perfect movie i love that movie i love that comic uh, Grant I think Morrison. the movie might be better than the like they cut out oh, some really? of the they. I, I, they don't, did, get, yeah. don't get it. I love the Grant Morrison stuff, but they cut out yeah. some of the super Grant Morrison y stuff. And they and what uh, Bruce Tim did, he made it such a tight movie, and it and it really worked for me. Also, Superman's the best uh, by far. I I still like uh, Superman versus the Elite. I think that's a goofy yes! but interesting, cool movie with Manchester really Black. Like, oh, yeah, amazing. yeah. I like Apocalypse. Obviously, everyone loves that one because it's yep. crazy impact. Uh, I really liked Man of Tomorrow, man. I really I, That's the one that came out this year. I, I dug it. I really did. Um, what else do I really enjoy? I'm a public enemies guy because you get – because when oh, you're a Superman guy, I'm a Batman guy. Batman's my guy. So seeing them but together – But when they team up, they're like unstoppable, right? I it's love Vegeta the relationship. Yes, yes, 100%. And <laughs> that goes back to the classic one with – I don't know if people remember this. It was on the TV show, but they when I saw it, it was released as a movie. It's uh, Batman and Superman. I think it's World's Finest yeah. where Lex Luthor and, jo and Joker team up to destroy, and they make like a Chinese dragon out of kryptonite. I love that movie. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. I saw that when it came out. That's how old I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Uh, 
But yeah, um, Superman and Batman by far are, are my favorite. And Spider-Man too. But every time Spider-Man's in anything, I, I'll watch. Nice. Yeah, I know you the must MCU have... villain. Yeah, the MCU villain. Oh, um, I mean, uh, I, I think they're going to tease a doom because they already cast, what, what do they call them? The Fantastic Four. Oh, I, Kang, I'm not they, super. They, they cast the Kang, yes. Jonathan Majors. Kang yeah. the, that's, that's, who, that's why I feel like they're heading that way when it comes to Fantastic Four villains. Uh, everyone keeps saying Galactus. Um, who else could it be? Mm. That's kind of where we're landing. Yeah, those too. were the three Galactus. names that we got. Yeah, because if you do Magneto, I feel, like, I, I feel like it's too early for him. Oh, Magneto! Magneto is my all-time like. Uh, I love my him. all-time favorite villain is is Lex. I love Lex, but that's me being a, a giant Superman fan. And if you do Lex right, I think he's like the best villain ever. Uh, and Magneto is like my close number two. Those two are my favorite. Uh, but you're right. We've seen a lot of Magneto, man. Like so much Magneto. And they're gonna um, have to switch him up because you, the way the MCU is in present timeline, you can't have Magneto be someone from his yeah. past of the Holocaust. And I, my all, my guess always was making him a civil rights guy, making him like a black guy from like the civil rights Ooh. era. That was always Ooh. my thought process of it, just to go full yeah. on like how they portrayed Magneto and uh, how he inspi inspiration for Magneto and Professor X was originally Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I just said, you might as well go full on into that. Yeah, that'd be interesting for sure. I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know when we're going to see the X-Men. I, I kind of feel like they're still going to wait for it, if I'm being honest, especially now with WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> the more we see it of, of Wanda Maximoff, the more it's like, it doesn't make sense for Magneto to show up and be like, what's up, daughter? Uh, exactly. But uh, I still feel like if the highest potential man is the one you said it's doom by a mile like there's so much you can do with that there's so many character development that's stuff that you can do with those you, you can make that several films you can make that like the the main villain over like six seven films like doom is definitely the highest potential for sure um, and the one other superhero topic that i wanted to ask you is you know i have puerto rican roots i'm a big latino guy i want to see some uh you know, representation in the superheroes. And I'm excited to see Moon Knight, you know, of course, but I really would like to see like a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. Who would you like to see jump into the, you know, to be the first main superhero for Latino? Yeah, man, I, I really do wish we had more. And I know everyone, every time I say that, people get mad at me and they're like, oh, we have plenty. And I'm like, it's do true. we know? We don't. We have I Blue Beetle. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> like, I always tell him. I always want to see more from you guys' culture. Like, that's what I need. Like, if Black Panther can happen, we need to have a Latino superhero that, like, has that moment. Yeah, yeah because I feel, I mean, obviously, I've said this a million times, but it's not necessarily me saying it. This is, like, you know, scientists saying this. This is, like, USC professors saying it. Uh, but the article that came out about a year and a half ago that said, like, 25% of the box office is Latino uh, and 3% of films have Latino leads, 3%, like that's so low. Like if you, even if you increase that to like 15, 20%, that'll mean more money for Hollywood. So I don't know why they do it, especially when LA is like all Mexican. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Jaime Reyes to me is the most obvious thing you can do. Make a full blown, like, give me like, I, I've actually, you know, made pitches in my head about like, give me like a Diego Luna villain, uh, a young Latino actor, like make it all like brown homies, uh, make it like somewhere in the border or something like that. Uh, you can make him like, you know, the character he plays in Narcos. I don't know if you guys have seen Narcos on Netflix, uh, but like a super like gangster, like classic, like, you know, Mexican drug lord, whatever you want to do, 
and, and give it to a, a young Latino actor for Jaime Reyes. Make the suit like cooler than the Iron Man suit or similar yeah. to the Iron Man suit. Uh, make it more organic maybe so it's different. Uh, but there's a lot of visual stuff you can do there with the suit. Uh, there's a lot of cool actor stuff you can do there with like Diego Luna and like other actors that are in Mexican descent. Um, so I think Blue Beetle, I think America Chavez, uh, I think she's a yeah. Puerto Rican too. And I think um, that's happening though in Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. I think that's happening. Oh yeah, yeah, you might be right. Oh, you're right. She's cast, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I totally remember that because I read that and I was like, oh man, nobody talked about this. <laughs> but I want like a main, like, like you said, I want a main one. Like I want to, yeah. just from seeing what Black Panther did for like, my community, the African-American community, and just Africans in general. I want to see y'all have that moment because y'all deserve it. And the Asian community is yeah. about to get that with Shang-Chi. So yeah. like, and I'm going to love, awesome. and I'm, and I'm going to love yes. diving into that. And I think it's, it's like you said, untapped potential. Blue Beetle would it make really a is. crap ton of money. And then yeah. you do Booster Gold in it. Like, nah, yeah. that would make so much money. I would love Booster Gold. Yeah. Uh, want- Booster Gold is one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, I think Blue Beetle makes the most sense for sure. I mean, honestly, I'm the guy who likes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with all my heart. I've watched, like, all the seasons several times through. Uh, I had my own Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast for a <laughs> short time. Uh, so I have a soft spot for Robbie Reyes, obviously. Uh, nice, and Ghost Rider. Uh, I think he's a badass Ghost Rider, and I think it made sense the way they, they set him up. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some there. I, I, I hope we get more, to be honest. And I think there is a little bit more. Uh, obviously now with Miles Morales uh, and America Chavez and some other ones too, who are a little bit more recent. 100%. Miles Morales is having a year yeah. right now with just the game, the movie, about to get a sequel. Love that kid. Uh, let's jump into my world, as you can see. Let's jump into anime. What are some of your favorite anime that, uh, that you have? What are some of your favorite characters of anime and do shows and characters? Yeah, uh, obviously, man, I got to start with the main one that's literally right behind me. Uh, this poster right here, which is Attack on Titan. Uh, I've been an Attack Great. on Titan stan since it came out. Uh, I've rewatched this show probably hundreds of times. Uh, I know everything by heart. I haven't read the manga on purpose, honestly, because I love it so much. You want to wait for it. I just don't want to be spoiled at all. Like, that's how much I love Attack on Titan that I'm just like, I have to not spoil myself. So Attack on Titan is my main one. I have an Attack on Titan show on my YouTube channel on First Cut uh, every Sunday, right after every episode is aired uh, at 5 p.m. PST, uh, Attack on Titan with Ben Goddard. so Attack on Titan is my main one. Uh, Commander Irwin is like probably one of my all-time favorite anime characters, along with my boy, uh, King, Prince, Vegeta. Uh, Vegeta is like <laughs> nice. my all-time favorite anime character. Uh, so I love Dragon Ball Z, uh, Attack on Titan. Honestly, the, the underrated one, it's not really underrated anymore, but I feel like a lot of people don't watch the series. They just watch the movie. It's Ghost in the Shell. Uh, I know a lot of people love, love Ghost in the Shell, but if you see Standalone Complex season one and two, which is on Hulu. Thank you. It's perfect. Like it's perfect anime. Like yes, it's it literally is. season one and two. That's it. And it, every single episode is like the most mind blowing sci-fi shit you will ever see in anything ever. It's that good. Uh, and I'm waiting for season four of Attack on Titan to nail it. Cause otherwise that's my number one when it comes to like perfect anime or like best anime. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. I love Psychopaths. I don't know if you guys have seen Psychopaths. Fire. Um, Fire. One is incredible. I think the, the, I love sci-fi as you can tell, uh, but I think that's a really interesting and weird show. It's really cool. Uh, What's another one, man? 
That's something that we oh. need more of in anime. Is the they they oh, yeah. left the cyberpunk motif and themes like they had yeah. some great from psychopath, big O, uh, desert punk, trigon. That's my bag. Yeah. I I love that genre. Uh, but it but it stems from like the cyberpunk genre, which is kind of like, obviously, I just said I'm a really Scott guy. Blade Runner is kind of like the cyberpunk creation, right? And then yep. from Blade Runner, the anime creators of of Akira was made and then akira you get ghost in the shell you get akira you get all the cyber the matrix the all of that yep the matrix you get uh, obviously uh, what i said about psychopaths that's also cyberpunky uh all that stuff stems from and, and the matrix is like my favorite movie of all time too so there you go uh that's like my favorite anime is the cyberpunk sci-fi world and I, I still like the big ones too like my hero and all of that too i love my hero 100 percent. i just, and I, I i love that you said that if if aot doesn't nail it it's a uh, ghost in the shell for me yeah. if, if aot doesn't nail it it's still full metal alchemist brotherhood and i and i feel like they are cousins aot and full metal alchemist just the way they do political commentary and conspiracy and the way that's set up i love it how do you feel about this current season what's your thoughts about not seeing the gang we haven't seen the gang yet and being that you're not a manga reader how do you feel about Yo, where's the gang? What are we doing in, in Marley? <laughs> oh, you're, you're talking about AOT? AOT, yeah. I got to be honest, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been a Reiner guy since like season one. <laughs> and I know that's weird because if you're an anime only watcher like me, Reiner doesn't do much. Uh, but in season one and in season two, I thought Reiner stood out the most as, when it comes to side characters because he had the most badass moments because he broke out of Annie's hand in season one. As yep. soon as he did that, when he like split out of her hands, I was like, that guy's my boy. I don't know who that guy is, that giant <laughs> blonde dude, uh, but he's my boy. And then in season two, when he lifted the freaking Titan, like he was Brock Lesnar, <laughs> which I think he's based off Brock Lesnar. He uh, looks like him for sure. I think he actually is, man. I actually think that the creator literally said, I just saw Brock Lesnar and I was like, I'm making Brock Lesnar. Really? Uh, yeah, and that's why he put him in the F5 position. <laughs> I was like, he's sense. literally going to F5 this guy off the freaking building, which he did. Uh, as soon as he did that, I was like, Reiner's my boy. And then obviously this season's been all about Reiner um, and Marley. And dude, it's, it's so hype. It's so freaking cool. I, I, I love it. I think Reiner is one of the most compelling characters. It's different because you get his perspective. Um, and then obviously ever since Irwin, you know, had his send off. Because to me, Irwin was the GOAT. Irwin literally stared down the Armored Titan. Like, yeah. No, the, the Armored oh, Titan. The armored one, yeah, that too. Yeah. When he took off his hood and he's like, what you going to do, man? What you going to do? And I was like, Nothing. bro, Irwin is like the gangster, bro. He's literally a gangster. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it, man. I love Attack on Titan this season. Man. That scene where Reiner has the gun in his mouth, and and if it wasn't uh, for yeah. Falco, it's over. Like it just shows how powerful it's, that was, and then how he wanted yeah. to be Porco. How like uh, I think it's Porco or Porco's brother was like, no, you're yeah, just imitating. Porco. You're just imitating my brother. Like yeah. all of this, it just it made like seeing this these four episodes really made Reiner's character even more complex than it was already. Yeah, Reiner, uh, Irwin, uh, to finish your question, Vegeta is still, I already said Vegeta, ba Batu from Go uh, Ghost in the Shell. Batu is like, you know, crazy Marine. Shout out to our guy, Richard Epcar. We He's actually interviewed the voice of, of Batu. Super no, nice guy. Really? Yeah. He's got an incredible voice. I swear, Ghost in the Shell is like the one, and I, I know I'm breaking the internet with this. I'm not really breaking the internet, but it's the one anime where I don't mind the dub. That and Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball, I feel like I grew up with dub. Uh, I didn't watch the sub anime. I watched dub anime. But Ghost in the Shell, Bato, 
the girl who plays Major is incredible. Yeah, she is. Everything else, I watch only sub, and I have to watch only sub. <laughs> See, I'm right there. The only dubs that I watch are like, like you said, Ghost in the Shell, Dragon Ball. I throw Cowboy Bebop in that list just because. Yeah, because Toonami. Yep. I throw had the dub, yeah. I throw you, you Hakusho in that list, but like all the new stuff, I'm right there with I can't watch my hero dub. I can't. Oh, uh, I can't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm sure they're, they're great people and they do a great job, but I just. The, it's not the, for me. The original actors are better. Same with Attack on Titan. I've tried yep. doing the dub, and I'm just like, oh, no, this yep. is way better in Japanese. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're right, man. It's almost like it's almost like we have a bias because <laughs> <laughs> we grew up with Toonami and we grew up with the Cowboy Bebop uh, voice actors, uh, the Gundam voice actors. Because yep. I grew up with Gundam too. Gundam Wing is one of my all-time yeah, favorite definitely. animes. Um, I grew up with Digimon. I don't know if you guys grew up with Digimon. That's, yeah. one of, that's my oh, co-host. Is he's not a Pokemon guy. He is a Digimon, Digimon stand. Yeah, I did. Digimon that's guy. that's one that missed me. I was Yu-Gi-Oh. I was collecting cards, dueling people. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like those are the dubs that I actually watch. But when it comes to current stuff, you're right. I don't, I don't do dubs. Speaking oh. on Cowboy Bebop and just sp- and Ghost in the Shell, we talked about that being one of your favorite. How do you feel about li- anime live actions? Woo! I've done, I've, I could do a video essay on this, man. I think I've done like video essays on this, at least when it comes to podcasts. Um, it's tough. It's hard because the thing about storytelling, that it, just the word storytelling, it really is um, time and it really is what you can do with time. Think about a show like Breaking Bad. Imagine Breaking Bad, the movie, and how disappointing that would be, right? Yeah. We, would, we would probably all hate Breaking Bad, the movie, because we will just meet this guy and then all of a sudden he goes dark side. That's it. We can't do that in two hours. We need four seasons That's of Walter fact. White Breaking Bad. Otherwise, it isn't Breaking Bad. It's the same thing with anime. Most anime stories can't, literally can't be told in a two-hour time frame. It's just no, not There's possible. no way. Even if, it's a, even if it's like a trilogy or something like that, it's just still like two hours is nothing for like a show like Dragon Ball, which has like hundreds, if not thousands of episodes. Same with Naruto, hundreds of episodes. Bleach, like my God. Like yeah. So many episodes. Like, like they're making a One Piece series. It's going to be a TV series, but even that, I'm just like, that show has a thousand chapters. Like, how are you going to accomplish yeah. And it's not even done. So that's, that's to me is like the number one issue when it comes to like, let's see like live action anime. And I'm just like, how do you tell the story of like Aaron and Mikasa uh, over like a two hour time frame, over like maybe two or three films. Like that's a lot. Like look at what we get this season. And even this season feels like a little bit like, wow, we're barely scratching the surface of Marley and the world and everything. They could do a whole nother show of Marley. (laughs) Yeah, like it's insane. So to me, I feel like live action anime is always gonna have that hurdle unless it's anime that's specifically made for a short frame, like the shirt you're wearing, man. Cowboy Bebop, yeah. right? Because that's a one season thing. Yep. A couple episodes are just like side quests. So you don't necessarily have to do those side quest episodes. And if you make it a series, which I think Netflix is doing. Yeah, that's what they're doing. You have a potential of telling the story of Spike uh, full story and not worry about like, oh, we cut out like basically their entire character development. So it's hard, man. It's just, it depends what anime it is. I agree with that yeah. 1000%. We're also a little worried about like the casting too. Sometimes, you know, when you cast these animes, you, one, you definitely don't want to whitewash it. That's and, a yeah. and a second, it's just, you know, you want to get the actor that you think portrays it right. And so we've always been a little bit skeptical of John Cho. He could really surprise us. 
but you know it's oh. it's still you know when you grow up with this anime character you wanted like done a certain way and you have like it, it in your mind and it's just like uh the casting is so difficult it, it blows hard, my right? mind because spike was supposed to be this young cool dude and i just picture henry yeah. golden just smoking a cigarette oh just, that's cool <laughs> just, just like thought about that that's what i always picture but I, if john cho does a great job i i love it but yeah i'm with him on that <laughs> The problem with anime and the problem with anime casting, and I think the Avatar live action show is going to run into this too. It's always going to be a problem when it comes to younger actors. That's Most of the anime people watch, uh, we, we kind of ignore it, but it's kind of weird. They're all kids. <laughs> They're all 13 year olds. Like we're watching like, like in My Hero, we're watching like a bunch of 14 year olds. Uh, so it's a little hard for American Hollywood uh, production companies to cast 14 year olds. It's a little weird. Like even now we're getting over it. Like back in the early 2000s in Smallville era, yeah. when we're casting like 30 year olds to pay 14 year olds. That's a fact. Like, it, because we're kind of weirded out by it. And that's why they aged up Spike so much. And that's why they've aged up all these actors so much because it's like really weird to have like a bunch of kid actors, but that's how the anime is. Uh, so you're right. John Cho weighs a little bit old for Spike, but I feel like that's all anime. They're all going to be kind of old. I like, I actually really like the Faye casting. I love that girl. Uh, Daniela Pineda. Same. I, uh, I, I love every other cast, but Spike, like I, I'm interested to see. Yeah. I'm uh, perfect the, casting for I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm yeah. interested to see the Jet character who's Bushwhacker yeah. from, uh, from, uh, Luke Cage like I, and that's something I want to see in the the TV show that I think the anime didn't really do was go deeper into Jet's character that Netflix actually mm. has an opportunity to do true true yeah we got I think two like solo Jet uh, Jet episodes yeah season one. yes um but either way yeah that's always going to be the thing with casting an anime is like you're gonna have to cast like an older homie to play some of these guys and that's why it's always going to be a little bit like hard to accept uh as like anime watchers I, I don't think we're I don't see a future, at least in the in the near future, where anime fans are gonna enjoy a live action. I just don't see it, man. Yeah. And, and I'm the kind of guy who like I like worship Attack on Titan. I love it with all my heart, and I would love to work on a live action. But even I would be like, yo, I don't think we could do this. <laughs> there's <laughs> only like work. there's only three that I think could work. Bebop's one of them. That's Bebop. just because of how like American Americanized Bebop is in a sense. I think yeah. Black Lagoon works because they're hitmen and, and America Ooh. knows how to do hitmen in Trigon because it's a Western. Like, I feel like Ooh. if America Hollywood's going to do anime, they need to pick things that are in their bag. Not like you said, Naruto's kid ninjas. Like, that's not that's not our culture. We don't understand that. But like hitmen, Western war stuff. Like, I feel like that's kind of more of in our wheelhouse. Yeah, the other thing with anime too, and, and it doesn't have to do anything with properties, but I, I do feel like we do get, this is like my hot take or whatever. It's not really a hot take. Um, I do think we do get anime films, but they're not based on anime property. They're just um, anime inspired. Yeah, yeah, so The Matrix is an anime movie, for example. I always say like, that's like an anime. That's what a live action anime would look like is The Matrix, right? Uh, Inception, I think that's an anime movie. 1,000%. Um, it's like sci-fi, like you're in your dreams, you're in your sleep, it has crazy effects. Like that's live action anime to me. Like if you would see it in a live action world and it's inspired by anime. Uh, Christopher Nolan has said that. Um, there's a lot, like Black Swan is inspired by Perfect Blue. Like there's, there's a couple that are taking inspirations, but they don't call it like, an anime you know, movie. Paprika. Like, this yeah. is Paprika live action. If they did, then the Paprika fans would be like, 
protesting the movie. <laughs> like, die, yeah, no, 100%. Man, Andres, we could talk to you for like three hours because this has been yeah. amazing. Tell the people where they can find you on all social media. We will definitely ask you back again in the future, but I absolutely love this conversation. Yeah, for sure, man. You could follow me uh, at Squad Leader Race, which is my Twitter and Instagram. You could also follow my YouTube channel, which is at First Cut. If you look up First Cut on YouTube, it should show up. And follow us on social media at First Cut TMO and our Patreon, which is now First Cut Studios. 100. Y'all make sure y'all go follow. Uh, I was about to call you Ace by your schmode. Oh, you y'all yeah. go follow Andres and y'all definitely go support First Cut and everything that him and RB3 are doing and follow their Patreon. But thank you so much, Andres. Let me throw course, it back man. to you, Schubert. For, to finish up bros who binge thank you Lyndon. uh that was really awesome man like i'm glad that we got to sit down with andres cabrera you know we've known him in his space with first cut and the schmoes and and all of that but getting to actually like speak with him he's a pretty cool guy and definitely definitely uh likes a lot of the same things we like and was a great person to have a conversation with could have been a three-hour pod honestly just just yeah like it, it was something that where we could have we could kept talking to him so but i just thank you thank him for coming on and, and giving us some of his time and i can't wait to see some of the future stuff we're going to work on especially with like anime talk and some of the stuff we got planned but you know that was amazing y'all make sure y'all go follow him but schubert it is time I, oh wait let me because oh, i messed when? up and I didn't watch the Tiger Woods doc. If you want to say anything about it right now, I, we will talk about it more next week when I watch part one and part two, because part two drops this week. So I'll, I'll be ready for uh, the part two discussion. But if you got anything you want to say about it right here, because that's my fault. It's fire. <laughs> it's so fire. I know yeah, it is. I'm mad. Because, because like, uh, you know, since his rise was pretty much when like I was growing up. And we didn't get to see it. Like we were too young. You don't really, for it. Yeah. yeah. It's like we're watching the last dance where you don't really like understand like what was going on at the time, but like how absolutely giant giant it was. Like you we know? were alive for it. Like I re- the only thing I remember and just like I want I want just seeing since you saw it, well, I, I remember see how you yeah. relate to this. I just remember being young and seeing my black family all gather around the television to watch Tiger win. And it was like every time he was playing, they were like, they never cared about golf. But when Tiger Woods was playing, it was on my television. And I was like, why is golf on my TV? But that's why I can watch it now. Cause like of those young days when I was a child and my mom and dad had on our big screen television watching Tiger Woods win. And I'm guessing they talk about that phenomenon in the documentary of how everybody is watching golf on Sundays to see Tiger win. That's mainly what part one is about. Oh, part, one pretty, part one pretty much ends at the, the fall. It, end, oh, it ends okay. with his dad's death. <laughs> okay. So what, it ends with his dad's death. He wins the British Open and then... Uh, the cheating you know, scandal's next. <laughs> the cheating scandal's next. Oh, okay. So, so I didn't miss that. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're going to dive into miss it that. next week. All right. Uh, it really, this episode really goes into how big of a, an icon he was, how big an icon he was racially, how Nike's campaign their first campaign commercial with him touched on how he wouldn't be able to get into some clubs, uh, country clubs across the country based upon the color of his skin. And, and it was the first time Nike tackled an ad campaign based upon race. Without that one, the Colin Kaepernick one doesn't happen. That's what I was thinking. You, you would, you can (laughs) see the parallels between then and now with, with that, I see why you wanted me to watch this. Okay. I'm going to be ready for next week. This sounds so yeah, good. It's, it's pretty good. You know, you get a lot of stuff about his dad. You get a bombshell that I didn't really learn about his dad near the end. 
Uh, the, the thing and, that I saw in the trailer that I'm interested in is the fact that how he wanted to play. I want to see the, the how he wanted to do other things. But his dad was like making him play golf. Like, uh, do they touch? They don't really touch more than that. They just say it that one time. It's really like that one thing in the trailer, mm. because like you do meet his uh, high school slash college girlfriend, which I thought was a really interesting perspective. And yeah, like I'm, shocked, I'm shocked he let her be on that. Uh, I mean, I'm shocked that they let them say some of the things that they, they said, said about <laughs> um, him and his dad, like, and, and, you know, their come up or whatever. This like, this, yeah, they, they get in some pretty touchy subjects and that, and oh, it's oh, interesting I gotta watch that. because like, that's the thing with this documentary, like in the last dance, last dance, Michael's in there. He's telling you everything. Oh, Tiger's not, not in that tiger. Oh, Tiger's not involved at all. Tiger is not in this. This oh. is ev- everyone around Tiger in his life. His, his caddy, you know, oh, past, shit. past friends. The caddy that he had beef with? Well, I don't know if it's the caddy he had beef with. It was the caddy that he had, like, during all this rise. Oh, that's up. the one that he had the beef with. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I got to watch this now. It's, it just went from 10 to 20 on the spice level. Like, I did not it, know he was not involved in this. He's he does not. He's not interviewed. I don't know, like, what his involvement is on it. But, like, what if he's in part two? Talking about the he might fall. be in part two. He might be in part two, but like he does not talk about his <laughs> his rise and come up. <laughs> Damn, that's all right. Well, I'm gonna be ready for next week. But with that being said, it's time. I don't know what's going on in your honor. This show, it just it just gets deeper and deeper of the hole that Michael Desiato and Adam Desiato are digging. Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I feel like that's how the each each week we start. Which Desiato? <laughs> Michael had so much. Adam's ass Skeez. is going out with this girl. <laughs> Straight up going out with this girl that. He killed her brother. Smelling, smelling the shirt. shirt. Yo, of her brother's last smell. I was just like, what type of monster are you, bro? And no wonder why you didn't want her to drive up to your house. Because your dad would have kicked your fucking ass, you idiot. Oh, my gosh. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. What a dumbass, bro. And then, like, he's going to the carnival with her. And I'm just like, you realize that. And, oh, then we would do the NYU thing. And he was like, I don't want to leave New Orleans. And she's like, mm, you don't want to leave me. And I'm just like, huh, baby girl, when you find out what he did, you go leave his ass real quick or get your dad to shoot him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, this dude is playing you like a fiddle. That's a like, fact. Dude, what is going through this guy's head? Like, and what's know. going on with his teacher flame? Like, you know, it's, it just disappears. Who looks just like her. Who looks just like her. He, he like, has a type. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And they're talking about this dude's NYU interview. Like, bro, this dude's going to jail. NYU. He's going to jail. He's going underground, six feet under. One of the two. This dude ain't going to NYU. Give me a break. What is he going to say in his interview? Yeah, I killed a dude last week. And all my now pictures. I'm are, his sister. And all my pictures are from either the dude I killed or his sister and me just, just talking. Oh my gosh. I, I just don't and understand. Like, and, and then the the sister or whatever, she's like talking to her dad or whatever. And she's oh. Like, oh, I met this boy. Like his name's Adam. And then like he's trying to like get more information about him. And like, just, what's his dad like, do? And I was just like, oh my gosh, please don't say judge. 
because because uh, Jimmy is on one. We could get we could get to Jimmy and Michael. They are on one over there. But real quick, quick sidebar. That's that's like a side story is Lee figured out uh, that Carlo Baxter killed Kofi. And now she's going after his ass with a murder rap. And Carlo Baxter selling fentanyl patches in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, giving Tom Hanks a son a little Chet bit. Chet Hanks. <laughs> Chet Hanks' son was the guinea pig. Chet Hanks, the guinea pig. By the way, loving Chet Hanks. I don't know if I'm loving him because of the persona of who Chet Hanks is on the internet or because he's doing that good of an acting job. Probably the first part, but I'm loving Chet Hanks. <laughs> Chet Hanks is what Tom Hanks would look like if he was a druggie. Tom Hanks wish he looked like Chet Hanks. <laughs> Chet, Chet is a baller out here. I'm a big fan. Bumble Clyde, keep it up, Chet. Get your Jamaican accent on, brother. I, I'm with you. Like, <laughs> I am with it. <laughs> also, like, you know, going with that whole Carlo thing, he's like meeting up with the, the gang. Behind his dad back, he's gonna die. Carlo is good. His daddy gonna cut ties with him soon enough. Because <laughs> I feel like, because, um, okay, well, we might as well talk about Michael, but but real quick, the gang, the gang is going to either the gang is going to kill him. I feel like if Carlo don't have that money, that's just They're an excuse. Scheming. They're ready because like the little boy just keeps eyeing him down. And let's not forget the lady told him, wait, we play in the long game. We gonna get him eventually. So like they're still going to get him for blowing up that that kid's house. Yeah, and I think it's going to be something to do with Carlo. For sure, especially if you don't have them drugs for It's over with for him. Or his daddy going to have to handle it himself and kill him because the mama is just down bad letting him do whatever he want. Rose-colored glasses, her ass. She is, she's she my was like, least I'll make sure character. nobody bothers you. I was like, I just want Jimmy to walk on his ass. See, Jimmy is too bit too consumed with the mother putting all that guilt on his back, and he's like, I got I to gotta figure this out. Like, Nah, Jimmy, move on, nigga. <laughs> yeah, when I saw this dude like in the Desiato house, like you know, petting Django, I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then wait, when he pissed on the seat and didn't wipe it, did you? Were you like, oh, the DNA's there? Michael's gonna get his ass. <laughs> the whole time I was just like, bro, you gotta be sneaky. And Jimmy didn't give a fuck. Jimmy cut himself, was cutting grapefruit in the people's house, blood everywhere. No, that was his oh, that house. was his house. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, I was just like, ooh, Jimmy just don't give a fuck. Nah, he he stole something from the fridge. He moved the picture. And yeah, and he took, took the a picture. Pic- yeah. And okay. took the picture. Okay. So, yeah, he was doing all that in Michael's house while the henchman was following Michael. And Michael's just going through this overdrawn process of trying to figure out who's blackmailing him. Turns out it was none of who we thought. It's just the dude in the back of the car, some some skis ball. Dude ended up getting capped by Jimmy after Michael was going to give him a boat and, like, figured out this whole black. Did give him a boat. Yeah, he did. Well, he can cancel them bank checks and let the bank repossess that. Get your money back. That nigga dead. <laughs> or does he have to play it off? Like, I don't know. No, he's dead. That's the thing. No, but like, does Michael have to play it off? Like, keep paying these payments instead of just giving that boat up because he's a, he's now an accessory to Jimmy's crime. Like he saw Jimmy kill this man. And he's a judge. What's he going to do? <laughs> he's got this more things fun. to worry about than damn boat. I think it repossessed. But that's what I'm talking about. But he has so much on his thing. So like, okay, first off, he lied about his kid killing someone, an accessory to that. He's now an accessory to Jimmy, the kid, the, the son of the man, the son that his son killed, the father. He's an accessory to the father's crime of shooting this random guy after this dude just scammed this old man for 20 minutes and this old man thought he was someone that was his friend and and michael was just lying to the guy gets information on the kid and now his kid's dead old man i'll go get his camry back 
He got lucky that Lee kept digging though, because like he had no leverage. Yeah, he was gonna die. Michael's gonna die right then and there. But I think he was gonna die for his son too. His son That's what is, I was about to say. Is over, over here playing clowning, clowning with you know the Baxter girl. Like, come clowning, on, clowning, big time clowning. And the dad, like, do we do we give Michael Desiato any credit for dying for his son? Is that like you know? Does that make if him his a son hero? Was, if, if his son wasn't a fuck boy. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. And Michael tells this lie that he's going to get Carlo in his court and he's going to save him from going to jail. And that's going to mess up his relationship with Lee. It's just going to be fucked, bro. He's going to be known as one of those judges that gets paid off just for his son. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. He's I don't see how this can end. He's gonna lose Lee. He might lose his relationship with Clarence. My my oh shit. Me, oh bro. shit. My, my guy. <laughs> also, also was in uh that uh, curse word Netflix show. Yo, for saying I shit. All, I watched all of that. <laughs> yeah. Dude is amazing, but I'm loving your honor each and every week. I don't know how this show's gonna end. I have no idea. Cause like like you said, the, te- the teacher's still a loose end. What's up with that sh- that black Chevrolet? When is the black Chevrolet coming back in the picture? Or will it? Do you think it won't? Or do you think these are loose ends no. that will never get pulled? I think the te- there's four episodes left, Lyndon. So I think the <laughs> teacher's coming back because eventually she's going to be wondering why he hasn't been knocking up her, her door. <laughs> you think she's going to get mad that he's banging someone else? Maybe. <laughs> Okay, because she, she knows his secret. Yeah, she does. That's the thing. She does know the secret. That's why I see her coming back. But that's also why I see the black Chevrolet being involved, because they saw at the end of the day, they are the witnesses to this murder. Yeah, there's got to be something about that. And I think you, it has something to do with Desire Crew. And do you think it's going to tie back to Desire Crew killing his mom? Because I feel like the Desire Crew killed his mom. Yeah, like, I don't know. There's so many. Well, I mean, they definitely killed his mom. And like maybe they were trying to kill him that day. The judge, maybe. Who knows? Real. So many loose ends they need to tie up, but we shall see. We shall see. But Adam Desiato. Oh, we 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 got to bring this back. Which one is the worst one now? Is 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 Adam still worse than Michael? Because Michael was pretty bad last week. I mean, Michael's bad in a sense. Like he's breaking a lot of laws, and he's <laughs> supposed to be a judge. But Adam is just such a fucking oh, asshole. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, at least, you're just gonna go. At least Michael's a good guy. <laughs> like, he's he has he has good intentions and good intentions. Like, he's trying to like save his life and save his son's life, and his and son's he's trying, to, save trying other, to fuck it up. And he's trying to save the people whose lives are in the consequence of his son's life. Because like, he could have killed that dude. He bought that dude a boat. Like, he, he's like he's helping these people at the end of the day. Like he. The only one that got fucked is Kofi Jones. And even then, he tried to help Kofi by getting Lee as the lawyer. So, like, Michael has good intentions, but Adam's just a fuck. Yeah, and he helped that dude's dad. Yeah, he did. That's a fact. He did help that dude's dad. That's a fact. But that's all I really got on your honor this week. Dude, it was wild. That show's wild. I got you. I got you. Yeah, it is. It's super wild. It's the best show on television right now. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. I got to. But you're on. Yeah, I guess I guess it is at the moment. Yeah, it's the best I mean, show on there's TV. about to be a lot of stuff coming out. But will your honor, depending on how it ends, is this something that we could see stick around to the bros who binge awards is like one of the best shows of 2021? Because I'm counting it for 2021. I'm not counting it for 2020. 
Yeah, because the resolution will be in 2021. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be. It just depends on how much it it strikes a chord. And how it is. And I mean, but I mean, like, we're going to have, like, what, Falcon Winter Soldier this year. Have the boys probably again. I think, what, is Umbrella Academy season three coming out? I think it's filming right now. We're going to have Titans. There's going to be a lot of shit we're going to have. Titans. Uh, the, the, The Book of Boba. Book of Boba, which might go into 2022, so I'm not gonna hold my breath on that one. True, true, true. But Your Honor, I'm loving it. I'm glad that this is our show right now because it's a good change of pace from our superhero sci-fi. It's it's good to see some real life crazy shit. Like this is this is my bag. I'm loving it. And we, and we were both big fans of the Night of, and you know yep. this definitely brings it back to like that serious drama. And we love Brian Cranston. No, it's I mean I never saw all Breaking Bad. So. Oh well, I love which Brian Cranston. One of my biggest. You know, Mystics. why are you doing a, a, a TV show pod? And you ever seen all of Breaking Bad? It's okay. You you have you have a couple of those, but I have a couple of those too. Like, but I cover your back for the, those. Like, you cover my back for the ones I don't have, and I cover your back for the ones you don't have. Like, I cover your back for Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The Wire, but you cover my back for like comedies I've never watched, like Friends, How I Met. Like, you you cover my back for those things. But I will yeah. say, um. The thing that drives me insane is that break uh, that Brian Cranston is Michael Desiato, but I just keep seeing him as Tim Watley from Seinfeld. <laughs> Tim Watley, the dentist. <laughs> Did you know that all of Breaking Bad was in Seinfeld? Like all the main people, Saul, Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. the wife. Like it just yeah. blows my mind every time I see them. Not a uh, not an Aaron Paul. Oh, well, he was too young. Yeah, and Hank and Hank was a nobody by the, at that time. Yeah, that's true. true. But like the main people blows my mind. I felt so fire, dude. It's such it a is. Good show. It is. I watch it's, it so much. Yeah. But that's but all we got this week. That's all we have this week. Make sure that you uh, you check out everything we've been talking about in the movie on the rise. You know, look at those pre uh, pre interviews for the, the pitch match. match February fourth. That is February fourth. And um, definitely get geared up for that because it's gonna be really exciting. It's gonna be on Twitch, so if you don't have Twitch, make sure you download it, get it, yep. get it running. You know, Twitch.tv/slash Bros Who Think. Yeah, and Lyndon also has some Twitch streams that'll be going on before then, so make sure you catch those. And uh, yeah, if you haven't started getting on your honor, we definitely advise you to. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best shows out, man. You definitely should. And be sure to check out all the other content. Like we talked about the NFL playoffs on Bros Who, on the Bros Who Think podcast. Get ready for next week. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. Like Schubert said, follow us on Twitch for February 4th. The Hastic interview is out now, so check that out. The Dan Exclaims one will be out on Monday, so there's a lot to look forward to. But again, February 4th, 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. West Coast. February 4th, February 4th, Thursday, February 4th. The pitch it season begins. It's going to be a great show. Doors open at 6. The match will get started at 6.10, 6.15. Me and Schubert are going to open it up. I'm trying to go find my wig, man. I, I need to get like a, a, I need to get a blonde wig because like I'm not going to be Lyndon, the competitor. I'm going to be the announcer, Bo Billingsley. I got I to gotta go get my wig. I got to get everything going. I got I to gotta try to find me a blonde wig in time. Um, if you've gotten to the end of this episode, please retweet it uh send it to your friends especially if they're people who've listened to first cut or schmoes and know of andres cabrera you know make sure you go check out his stuff with uh on first cut or geeks of color or go check out the schmodown and um 
Also, don't forget that we're going to have our run it back come out next week. Uh, we're we're, we're going to be talking about The Godfather. Arguably the greatest one. movie of all time. Well, yeah, part two is the one that they say is arguably the greatest movie of all time. But still, Godfather, I'm hyped for that. Have you seen it? Yeah. Me, I have seen it, but it's been a very, very, very oh, long time. You probably don't remember it. I probably do not. I Because I, like what I was telling you guys off air was that one and two blend in. Because like when you watch it, usually like watch, watch it all together, yeah. and so like sometimes I don't remember what, like which parts part one, which parts part two. I love part one so much. Like part one's the Sunny one. That's with like Sonny and Carlo beating up his wife, and Sonny getting killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love part one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my jam. Part two is the one where fucking Fredo betrays the family. Fredo, my brother, <laughs> you betrayed the family. <laughs> I'm gonna have so many Marlon Brando isms on that episode. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> I'm so excited, but that's next week. But it's definitely, it's definitely be fun to get with Lyndon and Ian and, and do that back on run it back. And, you know, if you have any suggestions for what we should do next, we have our ideas, but if you have a movie that you really clamor in to hear us review, let us, let know. us know. And we'll put it in the list. Cause we, we pretty much got our next one chosen, but unless someone suggests something amazing, then it'll probably be that one. But we'll put your choice on the list to be next selected. But that's all That's all I really got this week, Schubert. Make sure y'all follow Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, hschubert14, or follow Lyndon or the Bros Who Think Network. And I hope everyone out there has a great week and stays safe. And as always, keep binging. <laughs>